Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to another episode of Do Go One. My name is Dave Warnke, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. <sighs> I was holding my breath that whole time. Oh, wow. I should have kept it going. <laughs> Could have made you pass out. <laughs> and that is my goal. Is it really? Yeah. Um, I'd love to say how good is it to be alive. It's so good to be here, Jess, with you holding your breath, Dave, with you breathing in and out. Yeah, well, you, before I talk, I always do this, <gasps> like I'm going to. Never breathe a, again. It's a, yeah. it's a brutal thing to have to edit out, but we do it. You know, you never know when your last breath will be. You mm. got to just enjoy each breath. Oh my gosh! Now I'm thinking, I'm thinking about <sighs> it too much now. Yeah, like blinking and swallow. Oh gosh. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many things our body's doing all the time. If I think about it, my heart will stop. But it won't, though. Isn't that crazy? It's ridiculous. And even if it just wants a little one minute break, that's not good. No. <laughs> It should be allowed a little rest every yeah, now and then. Yeah, we should give our organs annual leave. <laughs> <laughs> Sub in, some sort of temp yeah, comes in. Yeah. doesn't do quite as good a job. It still keeps the ship running. Different liver for just a week here yeah. or there than my liver's in Turkey yeah, or something. Yeah, but you'd take advantage. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'd I'd ruin liver, that. Liver ruin. <laughs> you'd ruin that temp. Hey, should I explain how this show works? Please do. Well, one of the three of us, Jess, Matt and Dave, uh, we take it in turns researching a topic usually suggested by our listeners. We bring it back to the other two. We tell them all about it. They listen politely and um, don't interrupt. And we are in and out in a really short, efficient amount of time. (laughs) And we usually get onto the topic with a question. It is Matt's turn this week. Matt, do you have a question for us? I do have a question. It's a, it's a broad question, very broadly about the topic. And the question is, what is, and this is, I think you will know this straight away. So if you want the point, Hands you want buzzers. to just yeah, okay. jump right in. Gotcha. I do need the point. What is Australia's smallest state and the world's 26th largest island? Tasmania. Correct. Oh, I was going to say. 
Western Australia. Yes. <laughs> the big boy. I thought boy. there was going to be some sort of technicality. Yeah, that's big what, is small. That's why I let him finish the whole sentence because I was like, is this, is it a trick? So you're doing, are you doing a report on Tasmania? Please. That'd be so great. And they need it. God, you know, they've got little man syndrome. <laughs> well, they often get left off the map, the poor guys. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, not right. It's, it's not right. It's a beautiful, beautiful state. I love it. Beautiful spot. Um, so it's, my, it's the last one I haven't been to, all the states and territories. Never been to Taz? I'm saving the best for last. we got to go down there do a show. I'd love to. So I'm, it's not a report about Tasmania, but it's about an event that happened in Tasmania, set in Tasmania. Okay. okay. Tasmanian born and bred. And this was voted on by the Patreons. I gave them, because I, I, I noticed we hadn't done a an Australian or New Zealand topic for maybe nine, ten months or oh, something. Oh, wow. So I um, put up four options for that, and this is the one they picked. Cool. And this week's topic was suggested by Jack Seller in Sydney, Australia, as well as Callum J. Burgess Wiley from Huddersfield in West Yorkshire and Daniel English, also from Sydney. So, according to Alexander Hamer, writing for Real History, in 1822, the government of New South Wales established a new penal settlement far to the south in Van Diemen's Land, or Tasmania as it's now called. Did you know that, Dave? It used to be Van Diemen's Land. It's a great name. It is pretty cool. I do love it. Yeah. I don't know if I would have changed it. You're Van Diemen. Pretty, pretty sick. Tasmania. Uh, Tasmania is you know also I mean? pretty good. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, For 11 years, the British colonial government operated one of the most vicious institutions in Australian history, a far-flung outpost on the edge of the world that, to the convicts who were sent there, became known as Pluto's land after the ancient Greek god that ruled the underworld. This place was the Macquarie Harbour Penal Station. Why Pluto's land? Penal station. <laughs> I mean, I just got to call it the penal station because that, that sounds painful. Yeah. A penal state. Like, if you went to the doctor and said, I've got a penal station. Yeah. I'd they're say, saying, what are you doing? You need to go to a Yeah, we need right to get you. I'm calling an ambulance. In my Van Diemen's land, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and the doctor's like, sort of. So, I mean, I've studied a lot of things. But that's, I'm going to have to Google that. I feel like you're using a lot of slang yeah. when I really need you to be very specific here. <laughs> you're really dancing around the subject. Quite anatomically correct is what I mm. need. My Tasman isn't so able if you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> wink, wink. No, I, again, Sorry, I, I stop it. winking at me. <laughs> Tell me just in, in plain medical anatomically correct English what is going on with you. At that point, I'm just dropping my pants and pointing. Okay. <laughs> Who Able Tasman, he's... Who was he? Was he like a Dutch explorer or something? Mm. Yeah, and that's who Tasmania is named after, right? Yeah, I believe so. That's why it's called Abelmania. <laughs> God, they missed that's the trick there. That's so much better. Sorry, Tasmania. <laughs> uh, so, with all the brutality of this penal station, you'd assume that the prisoners were the worst of the worst, but this wasn't the case. According to Hamer, people convicted of the worst crimes, such as murder or rape, were simply sent straight to the gallows. The convicts who were sent there were mainly those who had re-offended whilst already serving sentences. According mm. to historian Hamish Maxwell Stewart, convicts were sent to Macquarie Harbour for a wide range of reasons. About half had been sentenced to secondary transportation for theft, robbery, fraud or receiving, all committed while serving their original sentences in Tasmania. Nearly 30% were absconders, apprehended as far away as Bombay, Mauritius, and Britain. So it was pe- people who'd, who'd, who'd been sent there possibly for a smallish thing, theft or something, and then committed another crime. So then they go, all right, you're going to an even worse prison. Right, right. so they like punishment for re-offending whilst 
whilst inside. Yeah, so it's a more brutal place huh. to be held, but also, um, you know, it's it's isolated. I reckon they should do it the other way around, and the more you offend, the nicer the prisons should get. <laughs> okay. okay. Dangle a little carrot in front of them. No, I don't think so, because I think plenty of people would still want to get out of prison. But for those who just can't mm. seem to stop criming, at least that, you know- they can they get a little bit of TV time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Well, the, each <laughs> a time nicer they, yard. They add a few Foxtel channels each yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just for a bit of variety. But they're still people. You know what I mean? Better you food. Of, you think of criminals as people? I think of them, yeah. Some of them. Wow. Some. Only some. What are the other ones? What do you think of them? Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you I love mean, dogs. I mean that literally the dogs that have committed crimes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Were there up. any dogs in Macquarie for their crimes? Uh, I assume so, yeah. Shitting wow. on Scurvy the Prime dogs. Minister's lawn. Because <laughs> you've got, you got like those police sniffer dogs. Yes. You assume that you'd also have, you know, the criminal dogs. That's right. Yeah. Well, who do you think those dogs are going after? Yeah. People. Dogs, dogs are just the same as people. Dogs There's are- doctor dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> criminal dogs. Criminal dogs, teacher dogs. Teacher, you got all the dogs. Yeah. Who do you think teaches dogs? Yeah. Come on, people. Who do you think delivers dogs mail? Yeah. The mail dog. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> According to our Tasmania, the isolated land was ideally suited for its purpose. It was separated from the mainland by treacherous seas, surrounded by a mountainous wilderness, and was hundreds of miles away from the colony's other settled areas. The only seaward access was through a treacherous narrow channel known as Hell's Gates. Oh, God. That's terrifying. It's like it's like Alcatraz, but big, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. designed specifically to Hell's Criminals. Yes. Wow. Uh, the convicts who were sent there took the name Hell's Gates to mean they were arriving in hell on earth, but the name actually came earlier from sailors who tried to navigate the rocky channel. It was just a brutal, tiny little gap, very shallow, so just very difficult to sail through. So that's why I got the name. Right, but it could have been called anything. They could have just called it like Shallow Gap. <laughs> like, wow, we're arriving at the Shallow Gap. Sorry, Doctor, I need you to have a look at my Shallow Gap. <laughs> Can I tell you my, like, dream prison of where I'd like to be locked up? <laughs> I'd love yeah. to hear where this is going. I would love it to be in a pretty highly populated area, like mm-hmm. a suburb, yep. but close to a tram or something. And instead of really big... Fences with barbed wire on top. It just has those like pool gates. Oh, not everybody yeah. can figure those out. Yeah, yeah. But I know how to work them. Yeah. And and pretty low um security. Okay. And I would just I would just wander out. Kind of like maybe like Pentridges now. Yeah, there's still you big, can go, big you got the walls, movies. though. Yeah, yeah but you get, the there's movies. big gaps in the walls there. Yeah, doors. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Automatic doors. Yeah, okay, I guess that'll do. The old Pentridge. Is that close to a tram? Can I get on a tram from Pentridge? Yeah, very close to a tram. Huh. I feel like you just described your apartment block. <laughs> oh, my God, true. And the gate, people can't figure out the gates. Yeah. Mm. Huh. Maybe that could be your jail. Wow. If you start thinking about it. That's yeah. really all in the mind. Huh. Yeah. My home is a prison. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Problem solved. I just thought that would be a fun hypothetical we could all enjoy, but. Okay, okay my. Uh, no, I don't want to hear <laughs> it. No, my hypothetical prison is uh, a room with five microphones, uh-huh. um, some. Soundproofing on the wall. Yep. Very bright light above our heads. Yep. What about aircon? Has it got working aircon? <laughs> no, hate aircon. <laughs> I like it hot. <laughs> and I like two of my best friends. Okay. Yeah, that does sound like hell. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, so describing Hell's Gates, Hamer writes, the channel is incredibly shallow with a depth of just nine feet and could only be navigated at high tide because at other times a rapid current surged through the gap, threatening to smash any unprepared vessels on the rocks. And that happened uh, many times. Wow. Vessels had to be unloaded, guided into the harbour by a dedicated pilot while their cargo was carried overland and then reloaded before docking at Sarah Island. So it was, uh, that doesn't feel worth so, it. So they're going to another island off the island? Oh, uh, no, that's that's Sarah Island is the island inside the... Oh, yeah, off Tasmania, yes. Whoa. That's right. So it's it's isolated, isolated. And it's off the west coast, which is, you know, very rugged. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, wow. very difficult to get to. Yeah, the only way via ship is through the Hell's Gates. Okay. That's for the colonists who, you know, are allowed to be on ships and stuff. So okay. escaping for the convicts would be a whole other story. According to our Tasmania, the surveyor who mapped Sarah Island concluded that the chances of escape were next to impossible. There are only two ways out, I guess, you know, with great skill sailing through Hell's Gates or heading over the main island Van Diemen's Land, but even if they were able to get there, they would be met with some of Australia's harshest conditions and toughest terrain. Firstly, you have the mountain ranges, as Hamer describes. They're typified by jagged peaks, cliffs, deep ravines and gorges, fast-flowing rivers, high rainfall, and an ecology defined by huge swathes of temperate rainforest. The terrain is so rugged that it was not properly mapped until the 1980s. <laughs> which blew my mind. Yeah. That is. Oh. And previous surveys such as that conducted by Thomas Scott in 1824 simply depict the harbour as surrounded by blank space. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'll fill that in later. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's really detailed around the, the, the water and the harbour and then it's just like, you know, and, and then, then land. Et cetera. <laughs> yeah. But that, I mean- in some ways, the prisoners might see that and go, oh, it could be anything. It could be paradise out yeah, there. Yeah, oh, that's right. I'll take my chances. There could be pool gates. Yeah, he should have, like, just drawn, like, minefield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ghosts. <laughs> Zombie. Yeah. Puddles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you get wet feet out there. That's awful. Oh, you never had wet socks? It's bloody worse. Oh, nightmare. I'd stay in prison if I were you. <laughs> yeah, it's great here if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, look at those nice dry socks you got on. You're welcome. Oh, man, how good are dry socks in the wet? Oh, the best. Uh, it wasn't just the terrain that was daunting, however. The climate was also downright hostile, as Hamer continues. The coastline is frequently assailed by cold fronts, powerful storms, and vicious winds. In fact, the cold winds were so strong and so persistent that the overseers of the penal station were forced to construct a series of elaborate windbreak defences, including a barrier wall two feet thick, and 26 feet or 8 metres high. That's really tall. And I, I think, I mean, they, they got the convicts to clear the land as well. It was a dense forest on set, what is now called Sarah Island. But I'm sure it feels like they've cleared all the trees and they're like, huh, now all the it's real windy now. Better build a wall. <laughs> Out of these this wood material. Yeah. Any any of these stories about you know Australia's convict history is there's always a you know the very grim backdrop of uh, how the indigenous Australians were being treated at the time and yeah and it also makes you think you're like oh it's so these conditions so tough people were struggling to survive but of course people had been living there for quite a while before that mm. according to uh, the Stran Village website uh, which is the local um, council there. 
Tasmanian Aboriginal people have been part of this land, th- this section of, of land in Tasmania, for more than 35,000 years. Sometime during the last ice age, Aboriginal tribes crossed the land bridge spanning Bass Strait, becoming the most southerly dwelling humans on Earth. Wow. When the glaciers retreated and sea levels rose around 12,000 years ago, Tasmanian Aboriginal people became isolated from the mainland, developing a rich culture unlike any other on the planet. Uh, Europeans came and sort of fucked that all up. You don't say. Yeah. Ha! Who'd have guessed? (laughs) And then went, huh, impossible to live here. Impossible. You can't possibly do it. Nobody could. Baffling, isn't it? Uh, There was something, and I kind of want maybe... I don't know if it might be too full on or not for a future episode, but I, I'd never heard about it before. But uh, the Black War happened in Tasmania. It was the British colonists versus the Aboriginal Tasmanians. Huh. And it lasted for over a decade. I, I'm just touching on that because it feels like, you know, whenever you're talking about a convict story, there that is obviously just happening. Alongside Alongside it, it, For sure. Is just Indigenous Australians just been treated brutally. And yeah, we're hearing from the colonizers' perspective of this land so you couldn't live here. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't possibly. So cold and difficult. And the indigenous Australians are like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> here we are. They're like, well, yeah. Lived here for quite some time. Anyway, back to this story about convicts. Uh, according to Hamer, it rained so much that when the convicts on Sarah Island attempted to establish crops in the optimistically named Farm Cove, (laughs) their efforts came to naught. The ground was simply too wet and the soil too poor. The only food the residents on the penal station could grow themselves was some potatoes and turnips on another island, a semi-sheltered Phillips Island. Oh, they call it Potato Island. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this was nowhere near enough to feed the entire population. So it only fed Philip. So yeah, it's yeah, called it's Philip's potato. We've island. got enough for Philip's dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't know what we'll do. Honestly, I hope another potato grows by tomorrow. <laughs> Otherwise, Philip's in trouble. Yeah. This is Philip speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Philip only likes potato. Yeah. So there was nowhere near enough food to feed the entire population, and malnutrition was rife, as were diseases such as scurvy and dysentery. Yeah. And that to you know that to ship in food, basically they weren't self-sustaining at the at the penal station. Dysentery sounds like the worst. Yeah, it is one of those words that sounds super bad, doesn't it? Yeah, like even mm. yeah. I'm not sure if that's onomatopoeia, but it's, it's, it feels close. It feels like it. I, yeah, I don't even really know what it is. Oh, it's essentially diarrhea. Okay. Mm. Um, like a lot. But you just shit yourself to death, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. It's well, real bad. It comes up again later. Scurvy doesn't seem nice either. But no, but that one's just solved by having a lemon. Yeah, have a lemon. Get some citrus in ya. <laughs> well, Put remember. down the potato, Philip. Yeah. And try an orange. All right. Okay. Oh, too wet to grow citrus, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Philip. I've had about I've had about enough I've of you. I've had mate. about enough of you. But <laughs> yeah, maybe it's- all you're doing is bringing me problems. You're not even mm. trying with solutions, Philip. Okay, all right. I don't want to have to have this discussion again, Philip. <laughs> Young man. According to Callum J. Jones, writing for the Tasmania Times, living conditions were particularly bad in the early years of the prison. The communal barracks were so crowded that convicts were not able to sleep on their backs. What? You had to, like, spoon. You had to go side to side. Yeah, it was just like a big group spoon. I'm okay with that. I like side sleeping too. Yeah, I sleep on my side. Although apparently I go to sleep on my side and within minutes I'm on my back. (laughs) 
Oh. Going. <laughs> I'm actually kind of a, a front sort of sleeper, actually. Okay. So I wonder Weird. if I'd- Weird. Weird. wonder if I'd be okay. Yeah. But I would be hugging the, the inmate next to me. Well, I don't think you would- It's not possible to sleep on your front or back because there's just no room. And you'd be, you know, I'd just be this sort of like human centipede of spooning. <laughs> human spoon- spoonipede. Wow. It's a beautiful image, isn't it? If you got to get up to take a piss. Yeah. That's hard. You gotta, everyone has to get up to take yeah, a piss. Everyone has to get up. <laughs> so, all in all, life in the penal colony was hell. And that's before you consider the backbreaking labor they were forced to do. According to our Tasmania, convicts were employed in the shipbuilding industry. For a short period, it was the largest shipbuilding operation in the Australian colonies. Chain convicts had the task of cutting down hewn pine trees and rafting the logs down the river. Eventually, the heavily forested island was cleared by the convicts. Right, we talked about the hue and pine in uh, the Matthew Brady episode with mm. Andy Matthews. That's yeah. right. He was talking about it as like this miracle wood that basically was rot-proof, so it was so good for shipbuilding and stuff. Also very good as a tree, you know, just to stay in the ground. But mm-hmm. um, What about like bowls or other kind of mm. homeware? A table, for example. Yeah, it'd be fantastic for a little coffee table. Mm. Okay. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, Matthew Brady... He was also at this uh, penal colony. Right, yes. Oh. I thought this was sounding very familiar, but I didn't recognise the name of the penal con- colony. I don't. I can't remember. I don't think <laughs> Andy I went into- that very well. I hope Andy didn't go into too much details about the penal colony. So that would be annoying for people who have just listened to that episode. Um, but surely one of us would have had a bell rung yeah. by now. No, but I remember him talking about like how rugged this part of Tassie was and, yeah. And the hue and pine. And the hue and pine. I remember that. That's the bit I remember. That stuck with me. Uh, So the work was really hard, but uh, according to Hamer, to make matters worse, this hard labour had to be done without food, as giving the convicts something to eat while on the mainland was seen as creating an unacceptable risk of absconding. Oh, okay. um, Attempts to smuggle even the smallest morsel of food off Sarah Island were severely punished. James Robinson was sentenced to 100 lashes and six months in the chain gang for being caught with cooking fat in his possession. Yeah. Nah, that seems fair. Because he could just nibble on that cooking fat (laughs) and get energy and abscond. Yeah. So, nah, 100 lashes. (laughs) Suck down this fat. That makes a lot of sense to me. I think that is a very reasonable punishment. Mm -hmm. He could just be eating, nibbling at cooking fat. Yeah. You know, you which know? is obviously delicious. Growing and stronger and stronger, stronger by the minute. And makes really fast as well. <laughs> really fast. Yeah. You could like run home to England. That's, that's basically like <laughs> being in Mario Brothers and having yeah. one of the stars. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. That's what that star is based on, yeah. it's cooking fat. Yeah. So, nah, that one actually makes heaps of sense to me. Uh, Jonathan Smith was sent to the chain gang and given 50 lashes for trying to smuggle a biscuit yes. into a gangboat. 50 lashes 50. for a bikini. But obviously- Imagine if he had the whole packet. But on, yeah. that, on that scale, cooking fat is twice as bad as a bikini. Mm. Mm. Like, makes you think. Doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, on as we've just said, cooking fat <laughs> is a- Yeah. That's a, a magical- But, like, but a bikini's just a bikini. Yeah. Bikini's like, like a mushroom in, in yeah, Mario. It makes you it bigger, bigger. But, but you could still get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. It's no star or cooking fat. It's no. no star. 
bickies. But if you get a couple of bickies, suddenly you can shoot fireballs. That's right. Pretty Again, good. imagine if you had a whole packet and not like a stingy Tim Tam packet where you get like eight of them. Mm, like you know, Seven, prime number. You know, imagine if you had like a dozen. Yeah, oh, yeah. You'd be dead. Yeah. Probably like Tim Tams used to be, I assume. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, where they came in a box of 200. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. Oh, when I was a kid, you'd get a packet of Tim Tams that never ran out. <laughs> So it wasn't just trying to eat that got you in trouble. It seems like most things would lead to the whip. Uh, I don't some- think they had anything else. Yeah. Well, not being whipped, that's a whippable offence. <laughs> uh, some of the reasons convict cop the whip include uh, committing a nuisance. That was 25 lashes. Jesus Christ, I'd be lashed every day. <laughs> 25. It's so vague as well. Being so they just had to use it for whatever they wanted. My God, every oh. school report had that exact word on it. Committing a nuisance. <laughs> Committing a nuisance. <laughs> losing your shirt, 50 lashes. Dave. <laughs> losing your shirt. What's the problem? I, I lost it. <laughs> it also makes the whipping a lot worse too, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, stealing plums and tea, 100 lashes. Oh, okay. That was uh, specifically uh, Lieutenant John Cuthbertson's. Plum and plums, <laughs> plums and tea. So it's, it's like such he a specific. Stole my plums. <laughs> oh me plums. Oh me plums and <laughs> tea. Plums. Oh me plums. Hundred lashes for you, son. I loves me plums. <laughs> What's the? Uh, I'm waiting to see how many hundred you get for losing your pants. Oh yeah. I mean that. Does, that's not even mentioned. Really? I think that might just be unlimited. A thousand. You die. Yeah. I mean, how many before you di- uh, you honestly die? Yeah. I don't. I can't be that many more. It's, it's super. It's a super brute. It's the cat of nine tails. You've heard of that. Yeah. It's that multi-whip whip. Oh, God. And the one they used here was a specific one that had little bits of uh, metal on the end. Yeah. Of each of the nine whips on the big whip. So, Cuthbertson was the commandant. Am I saying that right? Yes. Dave, you talk a little French now? Oui. Because I've w- had two I- French lessons. That's right, two. <laughs> it looks like it would be commandant, but it's. I've never heard anyone say that. I've heard people say something like commandant. Okay. Let's go with that then. <laughs> I want to say commander. Okay, say that. Cuthbertson was the commander of the penal station. <laughs> I'm the commander of the penal <laughs> Again, I'm going to have to ask you to leave my office if you're not just going <laughs> to tell me what's wrong. Doctor, I'm the commander of the penal <laughs> Okay. So what does that mean? Are you... Are you bragging? Do you need my help? Have you got What's, a new job? Because I've got comedian written on my files here and a little sad face next to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, Doctor, I am. Um, <laughs> but I am Commander Penal. <laughs> so, Cuthbertson, it sounds like it was an absolute asshole. When one convict cut off two of his own fingers, the lieutenant charged him with damaging himself in order to deprive the government of his labour and gave him 50 lashes. So what did he do? Sorry, cut off his own fingers. Cut off two fingers, and I, I, an I read it as. I mean, even if he did it on purpose, it's so funny. Like you think pain is gonna. If he did it on purpose, I don't know if uh, pain is really the thing that's gonna discourage him. Mm. And if he did it on accident, by accident, then baffling. You, you know, it's, it's like, like yeah, making someone smoke the whole packet of cigarettes. <laughs> right, that's it. Cut them all off. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like it. It. No fingers for you. Yeah, great. <laughs> See. <laughs> The only way you'll learn, son. You'll thank me for this one day. (laughs) (laughs) Hearing stories like this just makes me, it's the worst of humanity. Mm. You know, how we treat, it's fucking crazy. And the power that goes to people's heads. Yeah, it's just a little, 
just a it's a little slippery slope. Mm. Like we're not that far away from being the worst. Ugh. All it takes is a badge and a hat. <laughs> And then you're the worst. And I often wear a hat. I'm one badge away. <laughs> Describing the lashings, Hamer writes, the victims were stripped down to the waist and bound, legs splayed, hands over their head. And then they were like, well, you've lost your shirt as well. <laughs> 50 more. <laughs> Sorry. Add 50. <laughs> uh, they were then tied to a wooden stand known as the triangle. Beside them lay a long planked gangway. Cuthbertson personally supervised each flogging. He loved it. Of course he did. He'd walk up and down the gangway and the strokes were timed to match his pace. Yuck. So he if if he walks slower, they whip slower. If he walks faster, they whip faster. So he's just fully I'd be doing ego I'd be like mania. I'd, I'd be playing with the guy whipping and I'd be like real slow and then I'd go like twinkle 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 yeah. and he'd have to like, oh no, he'd have to whip really <laughs> quick. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> like yeah. Mr. Bean conducting the Yeah, yeah. Salvation Army whip, band. Whip, whip, whip. <laughs> no, 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 no. Whip, whip, whip. Timed whip. with the, wow. And if they get the timing wrong, does he whip the yes. whipper? That's yeah, yeah. There's psycho. a secondary whipper. <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody really thinks about the whippers, though. So that'd be quite taxing, wouldn't it? And they were other convicts were made were to do they? it. Were they? I oh, believe that's so, yeah. Super gross. Mm, I think that's right. That's yeah. fucked. When I said it's the worst of humanity, I mean, God, humanity's done some terrible things. I just mean like it turns what you would probably normally consider pretty average people into complete and utter psychopaths. Yeah, you see the just the scenarios yeah. change and like ugh. the prison experiment, and it well, just made I mean, it makes you think these people. I mean, obviously horrific stuff still happens around the world, but these people, these kind of people, still must walk amongst us. <laughs> yeah, only people certain, capable of this. Yeah, a certain situation that would. Yeah, I think statistically ugh. it's one in three. So yeah, <laughs> I think it's one think- in three would. Would do would be a Cuthbertson. Well, type. I've got great rhythm, so. <laughs> and I think you'd find that, um, like the majority of that personality now would be accountants. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a dig at accountants for a while. Yeah, accountants and and people Dentists, who spend probably. a lot of time on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so he's just he's walking up and down, and apparently it was not uncommon for a flogging of a hundred lashings to take over an hour to complete. No, so it's not just like. Awful pain, but it's like drawn out. Is that when he he starts walking in super slow? Yeah, it's also taking him an hour to walk a hundred steps. Know what I mean? Nobody's making their step count. Yeah, at that yeah, that's embarrassing. Right. Okay, knees up, let's go. <laughs> I'm I'm a PT in this penal colony. <laughs> I can't say colony in this penal Connolly. I keep going Connolly. Yeah, whatever. Don't tweet me if I say it. You know what I mean. So, yeah, like I said, the um, they had a specific version of the Cat of Nine Tails. It was called the Macquarie Cat. So, it was uh, there were nine strands of whip cord, each with at least seven knots in them. And then this special one had pieces of metal added to the knots. Okay. So, there's nine times seven. So, there's 63. And if you get 100, that's- Yeah. You've been hit 6,000 so times. So, you've just got- Yeah. Like 6,000 different cuts. And it- and it- what the hell? And it's br- it, it sort of it cuts through very quickly. So supposedly they'd be bleeding into their boots after just a couple of strokes, and then and a hundred from a hundred, you know, depending on the guy, that could be the end of them. And I'm guessing that after a whipping, they would then like their wounds would be well tended to. Mm. Um, they'd obviously be looked after really nicely. 
um, and there certainly wouldn't be any risk of infection. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, the old Looney Tunes cartoons where the sheepdog and the sheep clock on and off. So, yeah. Cuthbert's in, you know, at the end of the day, he's like, they shake hands. <laughs> and away they go. They go off to dinner. They yeah. go share filled no. potato. And- yeah. <laughs> no hard feelings. I'll buy you a pint. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh, no. Just, hey, they, it's white line fever. Yeah. <laughs> They leave it all out in the field. Yeah. So. We've all got a job to do. Boys will be boys. Uh, but all good things must come to an end. And Cuthbertson drowned in December 1823. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! I mean, it's not often that we cheer a death, but there we go. Yeah, he, did, he didn't seem like a good one. Was he like, help me, help me? And they're like, nah. Nah. The, oh. Oh yeah, no. I'm sure they. I'm sure they um, definitely were doing everything possible. Yeah, that's right. They were lowering the cat and nine tails down to him to fish him out. Yeah, grab it. Like, grab this. Grab it. Oh, keep hitting me oh, on the head. Do I keep handing you the pointy end? That's so weird. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, despite Cuthbertson uh, being out of the way, uh, there was a replacement, and the penal colony continued on and remained a brutal place, leading some inmates to go to extreme lengths to leave. For instance. According to Hamer, in 1827, a group of convicts held in the chain gang on Small Island managed to saw through their irons and murdered one of the constables guarding their quarters. Since the prison island had no power to try capital offences, the convicts were dispatched to Hobart, where they were sentenced to hang. This was precisely what they wanted. They preferred to die than endure their hellish existence in Macquarie Harbour any longer. Whoa. The unfortunate constable was merely a means to an end. Wow. Isn't it that wild? It was that bad. They're like, yeah. sorry, Barry, like, we've got to do us. this. Yeah. <sighs> Ideally, um, they were probably like, hey, can we just say we killed someone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't actually want to kill him. I want you to get me out of here. There couldn't be a better illustration on how hellish it was. Yeah. Despite the belief the penal colony was escape-proof, a bunch of convicts did try to escape, though most were unsuccessful, either being recaptured or dying in the wilderness. Like I was saying, you know, it's brutal wilderness. Yeah. Mm. They didn't know. They, they didn't hadn't know how watched to- much Bear grills. No, they had no idea about it. They're like, how much of my piss can I drink? I don't know. <laughs> how do I start a fire? It's a delicate scale. How do I start a fire with this piss? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just some. It's a 22-year-old guy from Liverpool. He's never experienced this, these conditions. No. According to our Tasmania, though, there were successful escapes too, Ooh, including, wow. as uh, we've talked about in the past, bushranger Matthew Brady mm. uh, was part of a successful party that escaped to Hobart in 1824 after tying up their overseer and seizing a boat. James Goodwin was pardoned after his 1828 escape and was subsequently employed to make official surveys of the wilderness he'd passed through. That's wow. A, that's a great result. That is you know that is that's Sean Connery in The Rock bringing back the guy that escaped yeah to show you how he did it yeah yeah uh, Sarah Island's most infamous escapee was Alexander Pierce who managed to get away twice on both occasions he cannibalised his fellow escapees <gasps> oh did he tell the second group that's what he did the first time <laughs> I don't yeah they're like they're like what happened to the others doing- yeah that won't happen again though right Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, they just died of natural causes. Yeah, and their bodies yeah. are probably still out there. We'll go visit Their delicious them. bodies are still probably- Whoa. Yeah, I'd never heard of- I've never heard of any of this stuff. That's so, pretty full on. So, yeah, so twice escaped and ate. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How'd it go the second time? Was he pardoned and then they yeah, asked they for pardoned. his recipes? Yeah, that's right. He became head chef. <laughs> <laughs> 
literally. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're not talking about any of those stories today. What? <laughs> okay, is this preamble? <laughs> that was a preamble. Love this. Okay. Today, we're talking about a different attempt at escape by a group known as the Frederick Ten. All named Frederick. <laughs> Can I come too? No. No, James. <laughs> Fuck you, James. Fuck you. Please, but I've got- My middle name's Frederick. No one cares. <laughs> no, I've got keys to the boat. You can go right now. Fuck, Fuck you, James. We'll pre- we'd prefer to walk. <laughs> God, I hate that guy. Right, Frederick? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> David, I improving there. Oh, that's fantastic stuff. <laughs> By late 1832, then-Governor George Arthur had announced that Macquarie Harbour would be closing down as a penal station. I think George Arthur sounds like another asshole. There's a few around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a new prison was set up on the southeast of Van Diemen's Land that Arthur humbly named after himself, Port Arthur. Yeah. Right. Arthur saw Macquarie Island as becoming too lenient and escape-prone. The Macquarie Harbour Penal Station was slowly closed down with convicts moved across to Port Arthur bit by bit until only a few remained, building the final ship to be constructed there, the Frederick. Ah, conveniently named. (laughs) Have you been to Port Arthur, many? No, I haven't. Oh, have I? I think I have. Mm. I might have been. Okay. I think I have. I I went, but it was like... Late in the afternoon, we were sort of like the last people they let in for the day. Um, and so it was getting a bit dark and it was too spooky. Oh. <laughs> it's a lot of really old buildings, like really old. And yeah, I got a bit spooked. Yeah, well, it's the, yeah, it's the ruins of the old, this old jail that was yeah. built. Now. Yeah. And they, um, yeah, I think maybe I went there with Stupid Old for the Australia Get oh, It Up yeah, Year. Yeah. Tavings, maybe. Yeah, that's bad that I can't. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure. But we didn't we didn't have much time there, so it was, yeah. a bit of, it was all a bit whirlwind. So by this stage, Captain Charles Tor was in charge of the prison island, as in Macquarie. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, he wasn't as strict as his predecessors and was often drunk. He was a cool prison boss. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Okay. He's like, ah, let's put let's put on the footy. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> And as he's whiffing people, he's like, I don't want to do this. You made me do this. Yeah. yeah. Are we cool? We're cool, though. We're going to kick the footy after this. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put some stags on the barbie. All right. <laughs> I'll go get the sack. Yeah, I'll put some onions on. <laughs> That's what he calls the hacky sack. You yeah. hack. he's, sure, he's, <laughs> he's made hacky sack cool. Yes. The, so I think the other guy was probably seen as more of the cool guy, uh, and that was Scotsman David Hoy, a master shipbuilder who would help teach convicts how to build ships over the final few years of the penal settlement's existence. The Frederick was to be the last of Hoy's 96 vessels to be built at Macquarie Island, um, Macquarie Harbour. So this guy, yeah, they they seemed to really look up to him, the convicts. I think they called him the Admiral. It sounds like he was, the other guy was actually in charge, but he was always a bit drunk. Oh. And this is the guy that, even though he was really just the shipbuilder guy, he was the one that they all kind of looked up to. Arthur wanted the half-built ship to be packed up and completed at the new Port Arthur facility, but the message was either missed or ignored. Sounds like maybe they were like, Hoy was like, no, I don't want to finish it here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It was decided that a handful of sailors and tradies would be left to finish the job and then sail the new ship over to Port Arthur. This group would be guarded by four soldiers and directed by Tor and Hoy and their manservants. Uh, 
<laughs> who were convicts. I think they were convicts who right. were just sort of like they got the gig. Better as- at admin. Yeah, yeah. They're like, they speak to each other to book in meetings for the bosses. Yeah. <laughs> Manservant is such a funny <laughs> phrase. But to make sure they were manscaped at all times. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, who do we have? We've got James Porter. He's probably the most famous because he's the one who's who wrote about these experiences. Oh, we love that. And so, um, but he that means he's hes also a slightly unreliable <laughs> you read about it. narrator. Yeah, I was the strongest, toughest, tallest. Well, Everyone agreed I was real sexy. Yeah. And they were all like, if we were chicks, we'd be really into you. And I was like, thanks, boys. <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> thanks, and then boys. I played a guitar solo. <laughs> it was actually pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think you'll get the vibe. <laughs> I uh, can run fast and jump really high. <laughs> so high. I'm really good at fighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I lost my shirt, whatever. But, I mean, they were going to whip me, then they saw how good my rig is, and they're like, it would be illegal to have a shirt on that. So I, I got anti-whipped, the opposite. Got the opposite of whipped. Yeah. I whipped them, <laughs> and they said, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Porter. Man, that's, that's not far away from a story I'll tell later. But, um, so he was sent to Australia for stealing some fur, I think. <laughs> And uh, once he got there, he got in trouble for trying to escape lots of times. Right, but so, he, so even back then, people were like, fur, that's that's gross. Yeah, he was just early Peter. People yeah, yeah. They threw blood on him and shipped him to Tasmania. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Adam Courtney wrote a book about this called The Ship That Never Was, and I'll be quoting from it a bunch. It's beautiful. According to Courtney, after nearly a decade of attempting to escape his penal misery... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Doc. I've just got. A, I think I've got a case of penal misery. Oh my God, I've had all the antibiotics. It's done nothing. It's miserable down there. <laughs> I just can't cheer it up. No matter what I try, he's droopy. He's floppy. He just so my, lethargic. Yeah. My poor can't wife. I keep telling couch. her it's nothing to do with you, babe. It's, I've it's got a, penal misery. It's a condition. See, some people like to, like to listen to podcasts where they learn these interesting stories, but you can listen to ours and listen to three fully grown adults talk about penal misery. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why you choose any other podcast. Just a, I mean, just a mat. You can sort of picture it shedding a single tear. <laughs> Oh. oh, it's sad. But surely you're reading Courtney's probably very serious book. You've got to laugh when you get to the phrase penal misery, yeah. surely. Oh, it's funny because I, 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 I don't think I even <laughs> clocked it. Right. No, I'm so- realising now that I've said it so much. Um, <laughs> right. Well, you're deep in the story sometimes. So I, I, I got the e-book and I also listened to the uh, audio book of this as well. And, the, you know, the guy wasn't, he wasn't giggling. The narrator didn't go. Really? <laughs> Sorry, just give us a second. I guess it was edited out. Yeah, yeah. that's an amazing voice actor if yeah. if they weren't. Was it Anthony Hopkins? Uh, it was Sir, Sir Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> he can yeah. hold it together. He no matter what the term man can hold it together. <laughs> God, he's good. He keeps it tight. <laughs> I think I should do audio books. Yeah. You would be laughing. Yeah, they edited that out. Yeah. Dave. I reckon leave it. People would prefer you to leave it in. Yeah. Makes it more fun. Essentially, it would just be a podcast without you two. I what listen- do you reckon? <laughs> Go solo. I listened to John Cleese's autobiography a, a while ago, and he's, he laughs through it. I'm sure he does. <laughs> and his own bits. 
Yeah, and memories and stuff. Okay, well, that's-, that's He's like, having a good time. Yeah, that sounds pretty It's chat. his memory. I think it's okay that he laughs at it. Imagine if it was somebody else reading his book for him and going like, ha, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then I said, like, what? <laughs> um, back to Courtney. So, he's talking about how uh, Porter has been trying to escape his penal misery, uh, but he realised he was not capable of doing it solo. He needed to join a team whose various parts would enable the whole to execute a well-wrought plan. Oh, a ragtag team? This is a Ocean's Eleven. Band. I love it. Yes. We need a contortionist. On the, on the ocean. Yes. On the Ocean's Eleven. Uh, is it a Frederick Ten? Need another one. Could be Ocean's Ten. Yeah. It could just be a, you know, There's cool. Ocean's Eight. You know. Yeah. They've, you know? Got, they've left oh gaps. They've left Nine yes. and Ten. Love it. Mm. So this is Ocean's Ten. In... Late 1833, Porter started working with the settlement's best mechanics and sailors, handpicked by Tor and Hoy to finish and deliver the Frederick. These men also happened to be some of Macquarie Harbour's meanest felons and best escape artists. John Barker was the head convict during the construction of the Frederick. If there was a ringleader or mastermind, it was most likely to have been him. He was an expert gunsmith and watchmaker, and had been quietly learning the basics of nautical navigation off another convict. So this guy- That's he, nice. They're teaching each other. Yeah. That's right. They're growing. Co- very collegiate that's, atmosphere. That's very nice. And it, and as it was getting a little bit laxer there, he was he was basically, you know, unsupervised making and repairing guns and stuff. <laughs> Good. Uh, Don't supervise him for that bit. No. Uh, making up the rest of the tent. Oh, initially, I was going to give, like, because in the book, it's got backstories of all of them, what they did to be sent to prison and stuff. But anyway, I thought in the end, it's too many names to keep in your head. Yeah. So, I'm just going to call them all Frederick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> luckily, there's a, a few similar names. There's three Johns. Perfect. <laughs> 30% Is there a couple John. of Matthews in there? No Matthews. Wow. I'm furious now okay. that you mentioned that. So, you've got- Sailors John Jones, John Fair, Charles Lyon, and James Leslie, as well as Porter. So they're they're the ones, they're the five who know how to be on a ship. Then how to sail. So does yeah. Barker need to learn if they've got he's got those five? Well, that, they've got different specific jobs. None of them know how to navigate. <laughs> okay, okay. And that's an important step. They all know how to swab poop decks. Yeah, well, they that's they can it. swab the shit the out of the poop deck. Cleanest poop deck you've ever seen. Oh yeah. But they will run into an iceberg by accidentally going the wrong way. And then you had the landlovers. Well, uh, that's me. And tradies. Yep. Benjamin Russon, John Dady, and William Shires. So what do we got there? I think we've got nine. Okay. According to Courtney, the tenth man wasn't required for either construction or sailing. Just for vibe. Because uh, he's carrying drinks, twelfth man style. He's just fun. Uh, it's almost the opposite of that. William Cheshire, 24, was John Barker's servant and by all accounts a sad figure. He had uh, penal misery as well. <laughs> Cheshire wasn't- spread. A- <laughs> That's right. It got it all over him. So, he wasn't initially part of the escape plan, but he overheard Leslie and Russon talking about it. And then just for fear of him dobbing him in, they oh. go, hey, you're, you, you was- come in and just don't tell anyone about it, all right? And was he the only other one? So, was the escape plan, like, at first just to leave him behind? Yeah, they-, they- oh, That's so brutal. Well, and the two manservants. I think they were convicts as oh, well. Okay, the manservants aren't count. Okay. I thought it was just like, this guy's really dull. I he's so depressing and boring. Let's just leave him I th- here. I think that is that does sound like it as well. But they just, 
uh, like Porter keep talks about him a lot in his writing about him just being weak and untrustworthy. He'd break if anyone mm. like he was a liability. He thought even before taking him. But then he overheard it and they had to cut him in. Mm. Uh-oh. That's how we ended up with a group of seven to go to Thailand one time. Ugh. <laughs> had to put up with that guy. I, I, th- I, th- I thought all of us had a Not great us. time. <laughs> I, thought, I thought all seven of us. Who had a great Hang time? on a second. Are you talking about? I was the last one added to that trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was your partner overheard. <laughs> Guess we'll have to bring him. Great. Otherwise, he'll rat us out. So, the collection of men was an interesting combination to leave as the last ones holding the fort. Outnumbering, you know, the those in charge, basically. Yeah. That- or almost even. So, according to Courtney, collectively they'd committed eight burglaries and tried to escape Macquarie Harbour nine times. They'd been whipped more than 800 times oh. as a group. They weren't on the straight and narrow. They weren't the the convicts on their best behaviour. Mm. Uh, who's, whose side do we think the manservants would be on if it came, uh, came to a bit of a... a- well, I mean, I know. Okay. Do you want me to tell you? Or? No, we'll get to that. Sorry, I'm just wondering because I'm just wondering, like, you know, if you're a manservant, you like, are you going to go with your boss, or you're going to be like, fuck, fuck the boss? boss Actually, I'll tell you, they boss. they cowered like in the corner. <laughs> oh, I think I'm a manservant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, Dave, you are. Now fetch me a coffee. <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. So, yeah, so basically they'd been picked because they were good at building ships and that sort of stuff and and they they weren't really worried about the other part of their personalities. And on the 13th of January, 1834, it was time for the escape plot to commence. The first part of the plan involved Porter convincing two of the soldiers to go fishing with him. So remember, there's four soldiers on the island, all armed with muskets. Uh, so Porter goes... Guys, yeah, it's a beautiful day. Maybe it's Arvo. Let's take one of the boats out, go fishing. They're like, great idea. We'll meet you back here in a couple of hours. <laughs> and he went, sweet. And then so he comes back. They're all about to head off. They've got all their fishing gear. And Porter's like, oh, actually, my tummy hurts. I've got to, I feel a bit sick. I won't go. You go, though. Please go. You no, should still go, please. Hmm. But I, I think I'm just going to go lie down. So the soldiers went off fishing. Uh, <laughs> Can't believe how easy that is. Genius little plan that was, and they took their muskets with them. Uh, so this meant the convicts only had two soldiers left to deal with, and while the soldiers were armed, so were the convicts, as Courtney explains. The soldiers had their normal munitions, but Barker, the expert gunsmith, had been busy at the forge and lathe making a few of his own, which he had concealed on the ship. He'd sawn off the long barrels of a few old discarded muskets and converted them into serviceable pistols. The rest of the convicts would have tomahawks, also made by Barker. So he just sort of unsupervised in the weeks leading up to it was able just to make, make all their weapons. <laughs> what are you making there? Sawn off gun? Carry on. Fair enough. Are you going fishing later or what? <laughs> <laughs> just for a bit, like, See you at the pub? Cool. How different is the vibe of these final weeks from what I was talking about yeah. from the years pr- previous? The cooking fat. Oh, that's it. Whip you to death. Yeah. yeah make it like, a gun. Fine with me. Cool. Whatever. Can, can just do me- it quietly. Yeah. Can you make me one? Yeah. Sorry, I'm over here drunk. So if you could just. Yeah. <laughs> Once you're done with that, could you make my girlfriend a necklace? I forgot our anniversary again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to be in the doghouse. Uh, in order to get the soldiers in a vulnerable position to attack, it was suggested that they join Porter in a sing-along below deck, 
One of the soldiers joined in while the other remained in his position on deck. So one of them goes down with a few of the convicts. Apparently Porter, a pretty good singer. Um, it's hard to resist joining in. I, I don't know if it was just Is him who from said Porter? that. Yeah, okay, great. But <laughs> I got the voice yeah. of an angel and the abs of a porn star. <laughs> I got porn star abs. <laughs> I mean, a lot, a lot of everything that's happening now, there was, you know, there's still Hoy and Tor were there to, to corroborate, I guess, later, but. Um, but, but here yeah. you're saying uh, I have the opposite of penal misery. So <laughs> my penis was too happy. <laughs> too happy. Yeah. <laughs> so it was set up that he was going to sing this certain song, and when he got to the word rose, oh, I love it. Kiss from a rose. That was yeah. It was kiss from a rose. <laughs> by <laughs> Seal. Da, 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 Very naughty theme singer. Joining in. Da, da, da. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> But then, you know, they get to, the songs are so good, they get to the rose, and he's like, <laughs> kiss by a rose, and everyone's just joining in, singing. Everyone's like, wow, this is so good. Uh, apparently, according to Porter's own writing, he was so nervous at the time that he could hardly get the words out, but he got through it, and when he hit rose, the two soldiers were qu- quickly subdued, one with them below deck and one up above. And when you say subdued, do you mean killed? I do not mean killed. So let's go back to Courtney. The convicts now had two soldiers under their control and two extra muskets at their disposal. The soldiers were now placed in the forecastle at the front of the ship. Don't know what that is. I guess it's just a room at the front of a ship. <laughs> Jess, you'd know. You're a sailor. Yeah, What's a forecastle? Uh, if I have to explain a forecastle yeah. to you, it's really not even worth oh, yeah, my you, time. Uh, if you don't know what a yes. forecastle is- You'll never know. <laughs> you'll never understand. If you weren't born to see mm. like me- Yeah. If there's some sort of apocalypse and we all have to take to the sea- Some sort of water world? I'm fucked. Yeah. Dysentery, I'm gone, but it's like vomiting. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> forecastle. So, yeah, they're, they're placed in the forecastle where there are a few spare cabins. They're bound and gagged and then thrown into a small hatch. Now it's time- <laughs> That it was- sounds awful. Yeah, it doesn't sound ideal. Now it's turn for the first mate, James Tate. Who was in his cabin, Russ and so I think he was a freeman. I That's think. such a great one though. First mate James Tate. <laughs> oh my god, it is so good. <laughs> I said that and I didn't even clock it. Uh Russin called him to come up. Hey, it's one of the convicts. You wanna come up? <laughs> He's like, Yeah, right, coming. When he reached the Idiot. deck, Russin moved quickly, pinning him against the mast with a tomahawk in hand. Up jumped Jones and Lyon, who gagged Tate and pulled him to the ship's forecastle. Dave, you wouldn't understand. Uh, down into the scuttle went Tate, who had barely resisted. Tor Hoy and the convict servant, the manservant, Nichols, <laughs> were still on board. The conspirators weren't worried about the manservants, who hadn't shown any signs of pluck. Right, no pluck. This is in Courtney's words. They were, you know. They're pluck-free. They pluckless. Were, they were pluckless. <laughs> you pluckless wonder. P-hearts. Uh, but the two soldiers who had gone fishing would be a different story. The ten convicts needed to secure Hoy and Tor before they could deal with them. All the men knew that serious violence towards those in charge was out of the question. It would play bitterly on them if they were caught. I mean, if you get caught, surely you're done for anyway, right? So there, there was this famous escape from a from another convict settlement, and it was they took a ship called the Cyprus in 1829, and they were quite violent. 
as they were taking over the ship, killing people and then leaving others stranded without food. And uh, one, the, the ones that got caught in the end got really severe punishments. So this is all going through their heads. Right. One, one of those guys from the Cypress ship ended up at Macquarie Harbour. And so they probably really understood this well. It was it was so famous there were songs written about and stuff, this Cypress one. Um, so they were just making sure no matter what, avoid violence, and it's like an insurance policy in case they fail. Shires, one of the convicts, he pushed hardest for this, um, repeatedly saying there will be no violence on them. Although he's the person in the, like the getting the crew together who says, I'll only participate if no one gets hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's They're right. Like, All right, and then someone gets shot on day one. We got to use only using blanks. Yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden it's time to take down Hoy and Tor. And even though Shires was the one going, no violence, no violence, he went off script. He had a rush of blood to the head. <laughs> And he just- Just started machine gunning in the air. He he barged in on their cabin before Porter was meant to be there as backup. So, he went in on in alone and a big scuffle broke out and Tor was hit on the head by Shire's tomahawk, cutting him <gasps> on the head. He's the guy, he's just been saying, no violence, no violence. <laughs> and then, so, he, I think, he, you know, he came to and he's like, oh, this isn't the plan. He retreated back out, um, climbed back up the ladder out of the room. And uh, the stunned captain and shipbuilder refused to yield. They go, come on, we've got the ship. Come out. Let <laughs> come us on, tie you on. up. Come on. Out you. And they're like, nah, we're not gonna. You shouldn't do this. And they're like, but we're doing it. And this went on for like two hours. And eventually, because a gun accidentally went off and nearly hit the captain. Oh, uh, the captain was like, oh, okay, what, are you going to kill us? And they're like, no, no, we don't want to kill you. We don't want to kill you. That was an accident. Yeah. And they, Sorry. And they, they've, you know, gave themselves up finally. Uh, let's go back to Courtney. So there remained only the last two soldiers and McFarlane to worry about. With a musket shot from the ship, they were signaled to stop fishing in their boat and come alongside. So they, they cruise up next to them. So like shooting into the air, like you're saying, <laughs> going, hey, we got this ship. That's right. I've just shot this in the air and in about 15 minutes, this gun will be reloaded. So <laughs> you better do what we say. Uh, Porter jumped onto their boat and had a gun at him and it was it was all over very quickly. So they had their guns taken off them and were placed with the other captives. The Frederick had changed hands in less than a few hours and it had been done without serious violence and without injuries aside from the Tom gash on Tor's head. Hoy asked who was to run things from now on, but he must have known that his own foreman, John Barker, was the man he had to deal with. Barker told Hoy, I'm now the captain of this brig, and with the assistance of my men, I can navigate her around the world. I learned how to navigate off some guy, so... (laughs) I'm set. Uh, Hoy replied, you are deluded. (laughs) (laughs) He said... Is Barker copying to that? Uh, That's his words? Not exactly, but Hoy's like, I know boats. This boat is not built to go anywhere. It's built (laughs) to cruise around the coastlines. It's a little cruiser. Mm. It's it's a a fast, smaller ship that's really made to to be able to move fast around coasts, not to do long-haul journeys. And he's going, I'm going to navigate it around the world. Around the world. First to Paris. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no. You can, that, you're not going to make it. 
that the boat it's not even finished. <laughs> quite. We could sail it round to Port Arthur. Yeah. How about that? It's definitely built to do that. Definitely built to do that. Which one. we're meant to do the Savo. So uh, and then Hoy said, I promise before God and with a Bible in my hand that if you give us back the brig, nobody will mention what happened today when we reach Port Arthur. But the shipwright's pleas fell on deaf ears. We will not yield this ship. All we want is our liberty, Barker repeated. Neither Barker nor any of the men could stomach the idea of Port Arthur. Real liberty, the kind they had just fought for, was beginning to taste very sweet. Under guard, Hoy and Tor were taken down to their cabins and allowed to pack anything they needed, especially clothes to keep them warm. It was clear what was to happen next. They and the soldiers would be marooned and forced to find their way back to the colony. Before leaving them, Shires gave Hoy a bottle of alcohol and a pocket compass. Uh, The men, he's he's like, don't tell anyone, but here's a couple of little treats for you. (laughs) Here's a box of Cadbury favourites. No hard feelings. I've eaten all of the good ones. Yeah, that's right. I hope you like Turkish delight. Uh, and picnic. Remembering that the those who stole the Cyprus ship in 1829 left the maroon crew basically for dead with very little in the way of supplies. So this crew was going to make sure those left behind were well looked after. Hoy was left with bandages and plaster because he had a bad back as well as bottles of wine for the pain. Uh, all remaining provisions were divided approximately 50-50 between the escapees and the captured. That's pretty good. Yeah. Do not let our affair be like that of the Cyprus to leave them to starve, Shires said. My proposal is to share the provisions with them as nearly as possible, for there are nine of them and ten of us. And let us trust Providence, and it will also be the means of preventing them from saying when they reach headquarters that we use them cruelly or in a dishonourable manner. According to Courtney, flour, oatmeal and salted beef were handed over, as well as tea, biscuits and sugar. What about cooking fat? Well, the they, good stuff. they didn't need to do cooking fat because they gave them a live goat. <laughs> you know, full of fat. This poor go- goat's just been on board the whole time? Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's been a goat and a cat. They, wow. they kept the cat, combo. they gave the goat. Cool, that's a bad choice. Do you reckon I'd, I'd keep the cat? For eating, I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the goat's got more meat, I see. Yeah. But, uh, the cat's got more spunk. More <laughs> spunk. And Jess, did you know this? They were seen as good luck cats. on ships. Yeah. I didn't know that. Seafaring superstition had it that cats brought good luck. They supposedly had special powers to protect ships from dangerous weather. Yes. Beyond any of that, they also helped rid the ship of rats. Oh, yeah. Oh, but the goat was fucking useless at that. Yeah. It was attracting rats. <laughs> it was making friends with rats. Stop it. Apparently, the exchange was made in an atmosphere of total conviviality. Conviviality? Yeah. Meaning? It was convivial. Mm-hmm. Jess, I don't, if you don't, if you're not born into a convivial environment- Sorry. I can't I was, explain. I was born at sea. Yeah. I don't know what convivial means. It's it's like it's nice. It's pleasant. It's yeah, friendly atmosphere. Friendly. Right? Okay. <laughs> Bloody, don't make me define another word. You don't use a word you don't know then. Change it. I know what it means. I just can't explain what it means. Okay. In- convivial, adjective of an atmosphere or event, friendly, lively, oh my and God. enjoyable. Oh, Great. my God, Jess. What? That's basically what I said. I'm sorry for asking a question. Uh, Jess, I'm sorry for trying to learn. Similar words? Yes. Friendly? Uh-huh. Genial, oh. affable. What's genial mean? Amiable. I don't know what any of those mean. <laughs> genial, friendly and cheerful. Okay. So it was nice. Yeah, so it sounds like they're doing things in an orderly, friendly manner. That's lovely. 
Um, Even though some of them know they're about to be left basically for dead on an island somewhere. Yes. Because what's that? Like, you've got a lot of supplies, but what's the hope to get back to another? When you're trying to wave down a ship or something? Uh, they, I think they they had to sort of make it on foot around the coast. So it was it was a it was wow. tough, but they they yep. they did it. They got there, and it, I mean, in part of that, they couldn't leave them with. They left them with a vessel. They were worried that they'd come after them. Yeah, fair. So <laughs> Hoy asked for a gun. He said, oh, I might need a gun to protect ourselves. And they're like, oh, we'd love to. Oof. But, uh, you know. You're, yeah. We love you. We really do. Here's a goat. And we're. <laughs> I couldn't be any more convivial. <laughs> Hoy made a final plea to the convicts, don't make this mistake. Again, they said, no, nah, we're, we're going to make, gonna make mistake. We're going to make mistake, okay? He... Then basically went, all right, since I find you will not give her up, I thank you for all your kindness to us as a whole, myself in particular. I know you have put little provisions to cross the expanding ocean and likewise a brig that is not seaworthy for such a voyage and may God prosper you in all your perilous undertaking. Wow. Like there's a little little, little backhander yeah. like, it's not seaworthy. Certainly not for the void you, you want have, to do. You don't have enough provisions with you and you're on a ship that certainly can't do what you're trying to do. So you're definitely going to your death. So thank you for the goat. Yep. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> bon voyage. So, and then apparently uh, the the convicts offered Hoy three cheers from the boat. Sure. And then the the uh, Hoy and the others gave him three cheers back. <laughs> you sure. <laughs> This can't be true. <laughs> Godspeed, you beautiful bastards. That's, yeah, it's that's, such a, that's odd. Yeah, it just feels like, you know, that stereotype of British gentleman stuff. Yes. Really. Yeah. Hey, jolly good. Well, you bested us here. Yeah. All the best. Cheerio. <laughs> uh, even though um, Hoy is Scottish. So that only it with a Scottish accent. quite different. In the audio book, the, uh, the guy, the Australian guy, I reckon he was sort of like 70% good at the Scottish accent. Okay. But right. certain words slipped out and you're like, ugh. Yeah. Right, should have got Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, Sir Anthony could have yep. probably nailed that. Or a Scottish person even. Yeah. So despite them being careful to take the ship in a non-violent way, they knew they would be wanted men. But they did have a bit of breathing space. According to Courtney, they knew that it would take several weeks before the port officer at Hobart Town would be notified that the Frederick was late to arrive at Port Arthur. So it was still- They got weeks head they start. They got That's a great. week's head start. So both the people they left behind, but also their arrival, supposed arrival time, wasn't for weeks. So they, they had a big head start. And then it would take a few days longer for the authorities to organise and equip a search party, and a few days more than that before they departed. So- the Frederick 10 could be at sea for a month before anyone attempted to pursue them. And by then, the convicts hoped to be very far away. Mm. Paris. Mm. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> hey, let's have a quick break. And then after that, I'll let you know how the escape goes. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The 
This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. I gotta get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. That I was saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stress <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively and that had been affecting me and that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry. But I did take the last biscuit. It, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. So their first problem was getting the ship through the perilous Hell's Gates. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about the Hell's Gates. Right off the bat. Uh... And they, the conditions did not suit them. And even though they had so much time, they were really paranoid that Hoy would be, they'd be coming after them. They're like, they don't have a boat, but maybe, I don't know, somehow they, they could be after us. Oh, look, they're coming after us, doggy paddle. Yeah, they, they saw a, there was a, a small dinghy sort of boat just floating free in the river and they, they went and scr- uh, broke it up just in case. It floated It floated them. back there and then somehow wow. it cha- they got chased down in a dinghy. Right. You know, like they were, they were super paranoid. So they were being a bit rash. But th- so they're like, the conditions aren't perfect for to get through Hell's Gates, but we're doing it anyway. Just wait. And it, they could have waited. The next day was great conditions, apparently. But fuck, they forged on anyway. Uh, and it was looking like they were about to hit the north side of the Hell's Gates, and then a gust of wind blew up. And they got the the steering kicked in again on the ship and they just snuck through. So they got through. Whoa. But it was almost over before it began, really. Imagine that just going down (laughs) so close. I guess you feel like such an idiot. Yeah. You would feel like a fool. But once they got through, Porter wrote of his experience I cannot express my feelings at that moment. My heart expanded within me and I believe it was the happiest moment of my life. He does say a lot, though, that. His life was miserable. <laughs> really? Even with abs like that? Yeah, I know. And the sing- singing voice of a generation. Mm. Yeah, it's true. But and he- all the ladies begging Sometimes, to have sex with you. Like when he when he's captured at different parts. You know? <laughs> when he's captured at different parts, he's like, obviously I've been, yeah, good to have me behind bars because I've just been having so much sex out there. <laughs> But, honestly, it's good to give the, bo- yeah. the other boys the chance. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good break for me. Yeah, really. the only thing it, to keep him out. He yeah. also like they'd be like, you know, you're you're close to going to the gallows for this. And he'd be like, great. I'm my life's been so miserable. You'd be doing me a favor. Wow, like he says that sort of stuff sometimes. But yeah, sometimes extreme beauty is a curse. Mm, mm. That's true. Dave, you understand? I absolutely do understand. Even hotter in real life. It's been my comedy festival show. See you there. So they were away, but the boat. Like I was saying, wasn't built for the rough seas they were going to face. It was a coastal cruiser, but they were planning on sailing across oceans to South America. It's not an ocean cruiser. It's not an ocean cruiser. This is ridiculous. You got to hug the coast all the way to South America. Yeah, <laughs> just doing laps of Australia <laughs> laps or <from> Tasmania. Tasmania. <laughs> Any second now, I'm, I'm sure we'll see the turn off. So well, they couldn't even make it to the mainland. Uh, well, I mean, they could, but they're going to go. 
for South America. They're planning not for Chile. country. Yeah, smart. Yes, exactly. Smart. They liked it as it, it had recently won its independence from Spain and had no ties to any European powers. Apparently, um, Porter also lived there for a bit and maybe had a wife and child there. Oh. But he doesn't bring them up very much. His life is miserable. What about, he's like, yeah, it's great there. They've just had their independence. Like, oh, what about your wife and child? Oh, don't worry about them. Don't worry about it. I'll probably go to a different part of Chile. It's a big place. <laughs> it's a big place. Yeah. I want to let them get on with their yeah, lives. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're fine. They're all right. I don't want to bring them in on my penal misery. <laughs> It's contagious. Uh, so on top of the boat not being fit for purpose, the crew wasn't either. They were undermanned as it was, and half of them didn't have any sailing experience at all. So there were the five sailors, but the rest, the other five, you know, they'd been on a boat to from the UK to Australia. Yeah, but they, yeah. You know, they weren't- Chained down, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. they weren't exactly working and learning. But the good news was they were willing to work hard and learn on the job. Okay. Right. Is but that what they said in the interview? But the bad news was, within a few hours of passing through the Hell's Gates, they discovered a leak. Oh, dear. But the good news was, <laughs> the boat was fitted with two pumps. That's good. But the bad news was, <laughs> each needed two men to manually operate it nonstop. Oh, can I go now? <laughs> also, bad news was, one of them didn't work. They didn't have time to test them out before they left. So, so they got one pump. One pump for and one a leak. leak. One pump, one leak. Easy. Easy, that adds up. <laughs> You got a door, you got a gym, you got a leak, you got a pump. Yeah. So two of the 10 men would have to constantly operate the pump for it to work. It was a hard manual labor. Yeah, right. It's a hand pump. Hand pump. It's chains, pulling a chain. Two men had to sort of wind it to bring the water up and out. So it was brutal work. You had to do it nonstop. To, you couldn't just get it going. And, and like, then it. Yeah. But then can you fix the leak? Uh, no. Okay. So the the. Because they gave the other guy the band-aids and plasters and stuff. Yeah. Oh, no. That would have been perfect. For his bad back. Ugh. And because I think it's because the wood was still young, you know, and it was, you know, moving. Probably expanding. Expanding. Subtracting. <laughs> multiplying. Not convivial. Am I using that right? Yeah. Uh, certainly the, that hue and pine was not <laughs> in a convivial mood. Right. And unfortunately, they have kicked off the master craftsman as well, right? He probably could have helped out. Yes. Yes, but I guess then that would have that would have been a bigger charge of kidnapping or mm. or uh, craft craftsman cap capturing. <laughs> You've been charged with craftsman capturing. So the, so they've got a leak on the first day, and this trip, best case scenario, goes for six weeks. Perfect. Okay. The wind was blowing so strong that the sails were in danger of snapping the masts, and Lion, who was steering the ship, was struggling to keep it on an even keel. The little boat was heaving up and down over the waves. The non-seafaring convicts had never experienced anything like it. As Courtney writes, Close to midnight, the gale was reaching such a strength that to keep her on some kind of track, Lion desperately needed another man at the helm. The boat was becoming too heavy to steer. It's the other thing about the water getting in underneath. It made it oh, harder to steer again. Of course. They weren't that worried about it sinking, but it was just making it it, uh, heavy, and, heavy, yeah, yep. bulky. Didn't have the great um, turning circle. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> they you couldn't do the no, one palm that, yeah, turn. None of the um, what's the steering power steering? Power steering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were on an old, yeah, like an old seventies, yeah, sedan. You yeah. got a Datsun sixteen hundred. Yeah, the two men who had been pumping out the water from the hold had been ordered to come up, so the pump was abandoned because they're just like, we need you to help with other things. By the early hours of the second day, 
men were down. Barker's seasickness had come on early and he was confined to bed. So down to nine men. After being placed so high in such a turbulent sea and without time to acquire their sea legs, Shires, Russen and Cheshire were all retching violently. So they're all out of action as well. This that's, is like that's w- me. Within within a day and a bit. Yeah. I'm interested to hear that they let Cheshire Cheshire continue because he was the guy they didn't want to cut in. Yes. It's interesting they didn't just go, you're part of the plan until you're not part of the plan and leave him on the island. Yeah, so that's let a good him- point. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I wonder how much he knew. But also I think Barker, I think Porter did really didn't like him, but he was Barker's servant. So mm. Barker probably had, and later on Porter actually says, he pulls a gun on him and says, I'm just going to save us all the trouble. And Barker um, didn't let him. Okay. He's Barker's like, we're going to let him Please, live. He knows how I like my tea. He's like, who's going to make my tea <laughs> now? I don't know how I like my tea, but he makes it good. Mm. So I need him. Okay. He knows the ratio of milk to water. Okay. He knows how long to let it steep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With all those men down, this left the boat under the control of four seamen. Lion, Porter, Fair, and Jones, as well as the bricklayer John Dady. They were the only men fit enough to work in the storm. There was nobody to keep watch, make meals, or navigate. They were, as Porter put it bluntly, very short-handed. Oof. I love an understatement. You say they also only know how to, know how to make meals. Well, there just wasn't anyone to make the meals, so they just had to go <laughs> grab a bit of food at any one time. There was just get a bit of cooking fat, keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the other six men were like, I've never been on a ship before. So, therefore, I don't know how to make a meal on a ship. Well, no, I think they're the, sick. They're the sick ones. So, they yeah, would okay. be the ones probably doing those sort of things. Yeah. I'll make you a bowl of soup, but I can't go to how much of my soup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so grim. <laughs> oh, chunky. Uh, this ship, the ship was under the kind of pressure that might have broken her up. So well had she been crafted by Hoy, though, that despite the constant rise and fall, plunging heavily into the troughs, she stayed whole. So, it was holding together. Mm. Where, Amazing. So wow. he's, he's a great builder. Apparently, like, somewhere I read that he was, like, best of his generation almost. Oh, wow. Oh, you know, so, like, he was a, he was a gun. Uh, he was a gun? He was a gun. Barker actually created him in the forge. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the storm continued to rage for days, and the four sick convicts remained out of action for the time being. So, days and days. Imagine just nonstop five of you having to run a ship that, you know, normally would have- Tens and tens of yeah. sailors running it. Who's like, yeah, it's just too much of you trying to you run trying to run between things. You're trying to go from like helping steer, yep. going to the pump, manning the gift shop. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much. You know, I'm on the till. Who's selling? Man- I one- can't remember my login. Yeah, <laughs> this lady's trying on eight different service t-shirts. forty register three. I don't know what I'm. Yeah. It's too much. Who's, who's searching that lady's bag? She's definitely stealing. And something. you expect like. Top quality customer service. Yeah, come mm. on. When nobody's making me a meal. No. <laughs> oh. I don't I'm not even getting my 15-minute break. <laughs> it's stipulated for any shifts over three hours. <laughs> uh, when the storm broke and Leslie recovered from seasickness, he went down to check the damage. And to his dismay, the leak meant the water was waist deep. So it was uh, taken off. On heaps of heaps and heaps of water. I mean, they have abandoned the pump. Yes, that realized he called out. He's like, "Guys, we've got a problem here." And from then on, they the pump would have to be manned nonstop. So two guys on it, nonstop. 
24-7, you know, to put it in modern parlance. They okay. would have said that back then. Back what then, what would they mean? have said? What would they have said back in eighteen hundred? All the all the morning <laughs> and night. Oh, yeah, all one score and four. <laughs> yeah, that's what they'd say. <laughs> yes, that's but in it. today's modern language, we would say twenty four seven. Yeah. Uh, so Barker, who was navigating supposedly, was doing it from his bed as he was still very Left. cooked. He's navi- <laughs> <laughs> navigating from bed. <laughs> <laughs> Can't see, but which side of the bed he spews out from? Yeah. That's the way. Veer, blah, veer, blah. <laughs> the rest of the crew were getting pretty nervous about the direction they were heading. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yep. Um, so they they were heading, you know, t- towards Antarctica almost because they were going below Tasmania. He was, you know, they were trying oh, yeah. to g- get on a certain winds and stuff. Roaring forties, it's a thing. Yep. They were also worried about too much wind, even though they were a sailboat. It's like, we could, too much wind and the boat will just get torn apart. So, they're, they're getting nervous that he's down below deck. He hasn't been sighted. <laughs> but he's the guy directing them. You can hear them. him. It's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. So, according to Courtney, more questions were being raised. Were they moving in the right direction? They soon came across a vast quantity of seaweed, which made the men very nervous. Where exactly were they? Seaweed does make me a bit nervous. Oh, no. When it touches your foot. Oh, Je- is it jellyfish? Ah! Seaweed. But have, have they found Seaweed Island? <laughs> oh, no, oh, where are we? No. Were they close to land? They weren't expected to make landfall for weeks. They're like, they're going, what's going on? Oh, does seaweed mean land? Barker hadn't made an observation since day two. A week after leaving Macquarie Harbour, the men pulled him out of bed. Just before midday, two men on either side propped him up on deck while he checked his position with the sun. Barker looked at the seaweed, then looked at the sun, and told the men they had nothing to worry about. <laughs> I trust that. I trust that. Put me back to bed, please. <laughs> yeah, no, you're all good. <laughs> all good. Seaweed, sun's there. Just Hang on, on, carry the two. Straight ahead. Yeah, no, you're all good. You guys doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, uh, Porter was like, the men seemed assured by Barker's statement, but they were still there was still a little bit of an underlying worry. Yeah, fair. In all likelihood, his calculations were faulty. A somewhat overconfident landlover was giving the orders from his sickbed, but still nobody overruled him. And he, he's a landlover; he's not a ship guy. And he learnt while in a prison. <laughs> he's a landlover, <laughs> he, not a land fighter. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> And hopefully not a land crasher with this boat. <laughs> so he was doing it like dead reckoning apparently. Successful dead reckoning requires regular noon sightings with the course tweaked and the ship's position plotted on a map. Whether or not Barker even had a map is unknown. Okay. He's just doing it from memory. I think Chili's over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seaweed. Yep. Good. Yep. Yep. That's all in order. Is that right? Usually on the right-hand side of the boat. We're not in prison anymore, are we? So I think we're heading in the right direction. (laughs) Can I go back to bed now, boys? Somebody wants to make me a marmalade sandwich. I would not say no. (laughs) According to Courtney, the dead reckoning Barker was doing was considered little more than guesswork. Yeah. You could determine approximate position if you were regularly recording the speeds and the exact course from the ship. But while Porter did mention speed from time to time, it appears to have been recorded haphazardly. There was neither enough time nor manpower to do this regularly. Like, obviously, they, they had other things to worry about, just staying afloat. And gift shop. Gift shop. Yeah, making sure that- And the 10 p.m. show. The yeah, VIPs were looked after. Hey, this show isn't paying for itself. 
Yeah. Well, this ship isn't paying resources. Porter had to warm up the pipes. Yeah. He had a song or two to Shave sing. Shave his legs. Yeah. Because he was also like a can-can. Guy. Oh, yeah. He had a can-can attitude. <laughs> uh, they continued heading in an east-southeast direction as Barker remained in his sick bed. Sort of basically heading east. I'm, I, that's my, I don't, I'm not a ship guy. So I, I, my guess is east-southeast. But again, slightly south, but mainly east. East-southeast. Right. I mean, is this a quote from him and his sick This bed? is all his quote, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I'm not a ship guy, east, south, east, something. Ish. Yeah, whatever. That'd be all right. Just head that way. You're going to hit land eventually. <laughs> yeah, well, it's Where's the land, land. Is it? Jeez Louise. Here you go. These guys stress stresses. <laughs> Chill the fuck out. Uh, let's go back to Courtney. Porter says alarm spread among the men. Barker had not made an observation for many days. His calculations had taken them well to the south of New Zealand, but according to Porter, there was growing discontent. So this is this is now more weeks have passed. <laughs> Far out. Uh, Barker hearing of this discontent. How are they alive? Yeah, it's amazing. I say it? weeks. I think it was, a, it was about a week. Still. Hearing of this discontent, Barker made an effort to rise on the 30th of January, but the weather wasn't clear enough to reveal the sun. When Barker returned on deck the next day, he made a reading. To the relief of his crew, he announced they would alter their course sharply, heading northeast. They were finally turning towards South America. And they were all like, oh, it's just him making a decision made them all think. Yeah. Oh, thank oh, God. We're, okay. we're actually. <laughs> but he could have just absolutely made it up. Yeah, I guess so. I feel like that's what he's doing. Yeah, he's to some extent he is. But they just want a decision. Yeah, they're just like- I feel like something's happening. Yeah. yeah. He's just a sick guy who just t- keeps telling us to keep going straight. Okay. That's not really navigating. <laughs> navigating is saying turn. But <laughs> Which he just did. He just told us to turn, so we're- Sharply. We're so feeling were- good, yeah. Yep. Uh, things settled for a while over the next weeks, but they were also met with intermittent trouble. So far on the trip, they had survived two gales and a white squall. Apparently, the white squall was wild. They were just- it was super calm, blue skies, and all of a sudden, Porter's like, oh, there's a cloud. And all of a sudden, the cloud just engulfed them. What? And it was, just, yeah. It was, wow. All of a sudden, it was just so hectic. The boats, things were breaking off, and they had to wow. think real quick to get their way out of it. That's scary. Yeah, super scary stuff. And on top of that, their supplies were you know, running low. They only had half of- what they could have had, and they were starting to regret maybe oh, being up so goat. generous. How much marmalade? <laughs> How much marmalade they got left? Oh, this yeah. They've luckily they've, that's all they've got now. Yeah. They're all out of cooking fat, and all they've got is marmalade, oh, which will do. The, but on the Paddington diet, yeah. yeah. And what about that cat? How's the cat going? The cat's still going great. And this is something that apparently um, was uh, great for the when the public back home heard that they looked after the cat. Apparently, the Australian public. Oh, they're like, we're like, good on them. Oh, they looked after the cat. These guys are all right. Are any of these boys single? <laughs> I'm a cat lady looking for a cat man. <laughs> cat lady. Cat lady. Cat lady. <laughs> Things were rough, but they were still afloat. And they were still, as they believed, on their way to the Chilean coast. Mm, beautiful. And I have no reason to believe they're on their way to anywhere else other than the Chilean coast. So, yeah. can't wait for them to make it safely. Yeah. Well, I might be about to surprise you. <gasps> They've made it to Chile. Yeah, in a double bluff kind of way, 
According to Courtney, around the 25th of Feb, land finally came into view. But not everybody believed uh, that they were seeing land. Barker. <laughs> That's seaweed. But Barker thought it was a bank of cloud and said, nah, we're still 500 miles away. About three days of sailing. This from, is the guy they've land. been trusting the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Couldn't be land. I mean, I can see people waving, but I think it's an illusion. <laughs> Don't go towards it. It's sirens. Yeah. <laughs> but fair, he's like, no, no, that's land. And uh, luckily, you know, he's a but, very good but, sailor. That's the Statue of Liberty. He shortened, <laughs> he shortened the sails and brought the brig to a halt. And they were lucky that he did and they didn't listen to Barker. Had they not <laughs> sighted land before dusk, they would have sailed straight into it. <laughs> Which so Barker- they listen to Barker, he's like, no. Nah. Keep going. Straight up the guts. <laughs> you can sail straight through clouds. Straight up the guts. <laughs> That's one of my- It's such a good- Straight up the guts. Up the guts. That's when you know you're sitting at the footy with someone who really knows what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kick it. Up the guts. <laughs> Yeah. Come on, up the guts. <laughs> it's like, just turn your head. They're not kicking up the guts because it's all defenders there. <laughs> Man. Why are you chipping it around, kicking up the guts? <laughs> <laughs> There's only 15 minutes left in the quarter, just kicking up the guts. <laughs> we go to the footy one time and I discover a new saying and now I find out. Oh, it's great fun to say. <laughs> up the, the guts. guts. I'll tell you what, I could coach this team. You know what I'd tell them? <laughs> Three words. Uh, yep. The. Yep. Guts. <laughs> if you could break down your strategy into three words, what would it be? This is Matt and his um, post-game interview. Um, so, they would have run into land. So, no lighthouses. No lighthouses. Hello. Come on. What the hell, Chili? You're just asking people to run into you. If this is chilly. It is chilly. It is chilly. What? It's chilly. It's they cold. Made it. Somehow the land, even though he thought it was a cloud. <laughs> it was chilly. It was chilly. Fuck off. Because yeah. he'd feel like an idiot, but then he'd, because he nearly told him to just sail straight through. But also he'd say, I told you to get you to chilly. Yeah, exactly. And apparently, you know, they were, you would have been like, geez, you nearly killed us. But because he got him to chilly, they sort of forgave we him. We gave him a free pass. Yeah. There is no way I thought they were going to make it to chilly. Neither. Are Isn't you that kidding wild? me? And did. Is Chili Dave the long, thin one? Yes. So you've got a better chance. It's a very long target. It's it's sort of it's mm. a long way up the west coast of South America. Long way down. Long way down, yes. Or up if you're starting at the bottom. Yes, but that's true. Okay, pardon me. <laughs> God, yeah, what a thing to get fucking pedantic about there. Um, Actually, it's, it's down. It's down. You oh, fool. I mean, the majority of it is down. Like it is. I mean, that's a perspective thing, Dave, but I'm glad you pulled me yeah, up okay. on it. Uh, the earth in floating in space, up is down, down is up. <laughs> exactly. Down under's on top. All right. Finally. So, yeah, so uh, Barker had another look and he's like, no, this is this is the coast of Chile. Look, there's a sign. Chile. <laughs> Welcome to Chile. Yeah, it's good that I have those out in the ocean. <laughs> they, they had a specific port they were looking for, Valdivia. Uh, so, they weren't quite there, but they were, they were getting close. They were just a, a few hundred miles south. Um, so because Chile is a long way down, <laughs> so there. I'm looking at it on a map here. It is. <laughs> yeah, well, from our perspective, though, you know, say if you're looking it's at- It's the bottom half of South America. <laughs> sure. But if you arrive at the bottom half- Yeah, which is what they have done. Then they've got to go- Where do they, they go? Or they go further down, do they? Back the way they came. Well, they've got to go a little bit further north. Yeah, up. <laughs> Just can't just, talk sense he to just, him. He just won't admit no. that we have a point. 
North, he says. This guy. <laughs> hey, good luck to him, I say. <laughs> so it was, it was a pretty good effort in the end. And according to Courtney, the convicts had performed a miracle of seamanship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he said semen a few times, but seamanship is I know, that's right. Good. We let semen go because we thought, all right. Yeah, we no. let semen go. It's part goes. of the penal misery. <laughs> but semenship. Yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. They had travelled 6,000 nautical miles in a leaky boat on some of the most turbulent seas on Earth. They'd covered a vast portion of the southern hemisphere with just 10 men. And none of them had died. None of them died. And most of them were vomiting the whole time. Yeah. Only five of them proper sailors. And he mentions that uh, Matthew Flinders, who circumnavigated Australia in a similar-sized boat, had a crew of 35 seamen. Wow. And he just hugged the shore. Yeah. You know? So it was, it was wild. It was wild that they pulled this off. Like, Hoy wasn't joking when he's like, you're deluded. But yeah. they, you know, sometimes being deluded yeah, gets the say, job done. Wow. Suck it, Hoy. There were different things at play, like maybe the the fact that they were feeling under this pressure that wasn't really there made them go fast and probably m- made the Frederick boat a bit more damaged than it could have been. But, yeah, it was a great effort. Uh, but it was on its last legs, the old Frederick, uh, unfortunately. They had a, a long boat with them as well attached. So they, they launched the long boat, all jumped into that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't really have to do anything. The Frederick just went down. They left the papers on and everything. So it went down and with it, wow. so did their names and identities. <gasps> what about the cat? Uh, the cat made it with them. Love it. The cat, apparently, they, they once they uh, got onto Chilean land, so they just take it, just ran, it just ran off. <laughs> It's like, so fuck good. these losers. Yeah, God, I'm so glad to not be on the fucking ocean. God, they've been vomiting the whole time. It's been embarrassing. They've been a nightmare. <laughs> I'm going to go find a cooler crew. It just ran away. Yeah, it's ran wow. away, like I wonder straight if- away. That Chile- feels made up. They ate that cat. <laughs> know what I mean? Uh, uh, ran away. Ran away as soon as we got to land. Yeah. It just took off and uh, having a beautiful adventure by itself. But I hope there's like a feral cat problem in Chile now. <laughs> it was pregnant as well. <laughs> No one, no one will talk about what happened on that ship, but yeah, apparently they they all loved the boat so much. I mean, some of them had helped build it, and and it got them their freedom. They couldn't even watch it go down. They were, you know, they loved that boat. It was their home. Um, but yeah, it was time to start a new life. But was that not always the plan of like? Yeah, basically, because otherwise they'd be easily the traced back yeah. to. Well, they're in Chile. <laughs> yeah, and they can't. Their story, they'd be like. You know, the Chilean governor would be like, oh, can we inspect your boat? Yeah. No. No. Right. Amazing. Sorry. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, but they, they did actually have a look at the, the long ship and saw that it had um, some British insignia on it. And they're like, what's the go with this? And they're like, oh, we bought some old stuff at auction. It's not real. It's not a government boat or anything. So they changed their names. Uh, some of them, like John Barker became Benjamin Smith. Ooh. William Cheshire became William Williams. <laughs> this is the one <laughs> they're like, he's hopeless. This guy's hopeless. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he's hopeless. Oh, I can't even think of a second name. William William. Oh. William. Uh, William Shires was now William Jones. And James Porter not only changed his name, but his nationality. James Porter became Irishman James O'Connor. Oh, wow, did he start doing accent I work? I guess so. Why would you give yourself that? Apparently he grew up loving the theatre. 
He was always. <laughs> oh my god! So I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put it past him. And he has a whole backstory. Games on a particular gate. Yeah, a yeah. bit of a limp, and he's like, "That's an injury that what's, I acquired when I was 16. What's my motivation? Yeah, <laughs> at all times. Uh, the Frederick also changed names. It was now the Mary, and it instead of having sailed from Van Diemen's Land, it sailed from Liverpool. Even though, but they said it sunk. Yes. It sunk, but this is the story. They like right. It's shipwrecked, and we had to take this longboat. Oh, sure. Otherwise, you'd say, "How else did you get here?" Yeah, yeah. You that's took the right. longboat the whole way. Yeah. yeah. Yep, from Liverpool. <laughs> incredible. We Ple- are incredible sailors. Pleasure to be here. Um, um, are we good to go? May um, I leave? I'm William Williams. <laughs> Can I go to land now, please? They arrived in this port town and just started partying. They were enjoying the. <laughs> they were dancing Fair. it up on the beach. There was music. Where's drinks, the music come from? Pairing guitars. <laughs> Guitar solo. Guitar solos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I assume Porter goes, hey, I brought a guitar. Yeah. He wants to He's hear Wonderwall. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> but do they have money to pay for anything? No, they don't have any money, but they. Uh, it is a port town and they're in demand for their work. They split up into two groups. You know, the tradies go and, and try and get work building ships and the sailors look for sailing work. That's the plan. And they, think, they also think, oh, if one of them gets done, at least half of them. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, the plan came unstuck really quickly. No. Apparently, one of them, it's not known which one, had a few too many to drink at a bar and let slip the true story to this uh, English-speaking interpreter who's employed by local businesses there who was known, uh, or Porter called him, Cockney Tom. <laughs> and Cockney Tom worked with the the local government and he, he dobbed on him straight away. Cockney Tom, you dog. So, by the next day, they've all been hauled in and uh, taken into the governor, Jose de la Cavarida. He didn't believe their story. He's like, tell us the truth. Otherwise, you know, it's trouble. And they're like, Porter's like, apparently, in his story, he tells this beautiful speech and he turns him around. But a, a lot of people doubt that that actually happened. Is this in the Irish accent? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he kept saying, to be sure. <laughs> it wasn't very believable. <laughs> But it does seem like a Cavarada did take some pity on them and he allowed them to stay. Basically, he, he didn't imprison them, but he's sort of like, until we figure out what's going on, you can stay, you can work. Possibly because he knew that they were good workers. Mm. They would be valuable as workers. And they settled down. The men settled down into the community, many of them getting married and quickly having children on the way. Wow, that long at sea. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Pretty, I don't know. It's the only cure to penal misery. <laughs> yeah. Porter was living his best life when he was there. This is like, it sounds like the penal misery was a big thing of the past. (laughs) According to Courtney, James Porter may have changed his name to O'Connor, but to his newfound friends in Chile, he was their beloved Don Santiago. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now he's an Englishman who was in prison in Australia and now he's playing an Irishman being given the nickname Don Santiago. Yeah, it all makes lots of sense. (laughs) And this is, you know, this is according to him. Apparently, he's just beloved there. Oh, yeah, of course. And they said that I was the coolest guy that ever met. We get it. So, like all the others, he took his freedom very seriously. The old James, the one on the lookout for the next lark and a slice of the action, was now a man about town. Well-liked, affable, gentle, and kind. This was the way the new James depicted himself in his account of the time. He depicts himself as a defender of the poor, helpless and weak. His commentary seems only half believable, but this means there may be truth in the other half, Courtney says. 
Place a man in better circumstances and he may show himself to be indeed a better man. Porter had previously only looked out for himself. Now, for the first time in his life, he found himself being looked up to and depended on. James Porter was a somebody. He tells some tales of his time that seem a little bit dubious. Right. And there, there's there's one where he like he gets work um, with all these different people, and and then he's he's like, and then a, a a wealthy widower, she said, I need to borrow him. He he needs to come and live with me and be my security because he's fantastic. And then he gets into this weird knife fight with her. <laughs> what? <laughs> These wild stories. And then, um, so while he's uh, working there for this wealthy widow, so he gets she comes at him with a knife because he. <laughs> He's she's so she's strung up one of her servants, this sixteen-year-old girl, by her thumbs in the yard, and he he's like, he's like, he pulls her down. He's like, he cuts her down. He's like, what's going on? And and then he realizes apparently he's overstepped the mark as the widower. She's in charge of of discipline, and then he finds that she's been strung up again. This kid, and he cuts her down again. And that's when the widower comes at him with a knife, and he's like, with a swift move, he. Took her out of the way, and he got the knife. But she came out with another knife, and then he far out. So it's it's like it's just like, and then I um I kicked the um <laughs> the guy in the head, um and I didn't even uh you know leave the ground, and um, <laughs> but then the next like he ends up like hurting her in his story while defending himself, and uh, he goes to the magistrate, and the magistrate's like, you know what, you did the right thing, <laughs> and then he. He says that she she begged him to come back and keep working for her, and then he's still so he's still working for her, and then back to Courtney. Uh, whilst whilst there at this job, four soldiers attempted to steal alcohol from the widower's cellar. Widow cellar. Widow. I've been saying widower, haven't I? Yeah. Doesn't matter. As a feminist, I think women can be widowers too. I agree. Uh, Porter recounts that he single-handedly fought all four of them off. Wow. Then dressed the wounds of one of his attackers. <laughs> Three of the soldiers then arranged to have him killed by this local sealer, but Porter beat up that sealer <laughs> as he attempted to murder him. And then he went to, to court and got them all off. He said, hey, don't don't punish them. I'm not pressing them. charges. Don't punish them on my account. We all make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's just like it's such a – I just found it such a funny – So good. Yeah, it just feels like he's just riffing because he's writing this a few years later. Um, love it. Memory isn't the most reliable thing, mm. but okay. And he's yeah, he talks about the magistrate. Then says to the um the sealer who tried to kill him, he says, "Shame on you, shame on you. Be more like this great man." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds true. Uh, eventually, word of the Frederick Ten's whereabouts got back to Britain and Van Diemen's Land, and pressure was increased on the Valdivian governor to hand them over to the British as they were guilty of piracy, they were told. But the governor didn't relent. He was happy to keep them in his town. He didn't imprison them. He's like, there's no proof. So, you know, you prove it otherwise. And he also, you know, Porter apparently was like, I actually once fought for Chile. Uh, and it might have even been true, but <laughs> he's like, I'm a patriot. I'm basically, I'm, I am one of you, you know. I, I should be looked after. I look after you sort of thing. But things started to feel a bit dicey and nine of the men, all by Cheshire, who wasn't invited, decided to leave <laughs> once again uh, when an opportunity arose late in 1934. When a ship called the Ocean was anchored in Valdivia 
and its captain agreed to let the men work on his ship. It was there and it was found uh, having some stuff it shouldn't have had on it. So it was sort of being stuck there until they paid a fine. And um, so the nine convicts were like, we'll we'll help you with this if we can be on board. They're and leaving their families? Leaving their families, yep. Is Cheshire in charge of all the families? Cheshire's in charge. He's the servant to all families. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, so... So por- many kids, I keep shitting. <laughs> so many nappies. <laughs> Why are they shitting all the time? Come on, give Willy Willy a break. <laughs> That's uh, right. Uh, it's Willy Willy. <laughs> so they weren't in prison, but they weren't re- they weren't allowed to leave. So they had to try and get out under the cover of darkness. Early in the morning, the ocean was to set off and they had to make their own way out to the ship. Uh, and they were split into two groups. Porter, Lyon, Barker, Shires, Russen, and Leslie met by the water's edge and stole a dinghy to make the 10-mile trip from their location. The other group didn't have as far to travel, as Courtney writes. The three Johns, Dady, Fair, and Jones, had the easier part of the escape. They were safely ensconced at the port, hiding aboard a boat they had been constructing as a day job. So this is just, like, perfect. They built this boat, then they were sleeping and hiding in this boat, Ready to to take the boat straight out. Like, but how are we going to get out there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our plan's almost perfect. <laughs> so that they had it made. Meanwhile, the other six men, Porter and Barker, etc., they're in the dinghy, uh, trying to make the best time they could. But the lack of light and the river currents made things difficult. Before dawn, they reached the river's mouth, unseen by any lookout. So this trip is is taking hours. But what they saw ahead at first light filled them with frustration. The normally placid waters just beyond the river outlet were raging. There was a heavy onshore wind and a huge surf at the bar. Even experienced sailors like Porter and Lyon, who could manoeuvre their way out of the most turbulent waters, knew that their small, fragile dinghy couldn't cross where the surf was breaking. And yet this didn't stop them from trying. They had tried to pass the bar with all their strength and sailing ingenuity, but it was too much. That morning, the six men sat haplessly at the mouth of the river while they watched the other three men sail out to the bay towards the waiting ocean. So they watched three of them without even getting to say goodbye. The three Johns. The three Johns. So it was a brutal blow to those left behind. They were so close to real freedom, they could almost touch it. Instead, they had to quietly row their little boat back to back their the 10 miles. Fucking families. And, and their day jobs. So they had to go straight to work after being up all night. And then we'd have to try and return the boat without yeah, it yeah. being seen as stolen. Exactly, yep. So they went to work pretty tired and depressed. Yeah, their families. The three Johns, on the other hand, sailed off into the sunset. No one knows exactly where they ended up, oh. but it is believed that two of them made it to America. Wow. They ate the other John. (laughs) (laughs) The weaker John. (laughs) Wow, good on him. Yeah. So that's that's a little little happy moment there, Um, although sad for the rest of them. So only seven of the Frederick Ten remained in Chile. Governor Cavareda was being replaced by a new guy named Don Isaac Thompson. Although Thompson said he would treat the Frederick Seven now the same as Cavareda did, Porter didn't trust him right off the bat, and it seems like this was probably for good reason. Letters approving their asylum status were meant to be arriving imminently, but at their first meeting with Thompson, he told them they had mysteriously been delayed. Mm. Uh, he came up with some story, but it seems like he was like he was screwing them over. And he had, I think he was from British descent, so they're like, this guy, we can't trust this guy. So they're starting to feel pressure build to really yeah. get out of there. 
As well as the new governor, the remaining convict's sense of unease would have increased with the arrival of a British ship into the harbour, you know, with the British flags and everything. It was the HMS Beagle. The captain didn't seem to have any knowledge of the Frederick escape, or at least he didn't want to get involved. He was asked about it. He's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, if, if, I, if I tell people about this back home, you're probably going to make me yeah. do something about it. I don't want to. Another passenger on the ship, though, the young naturalist Charles Darwin. I was going to say, if that's Darwin's ship, isn't it? Beagle? Yeah. So he was aware of them. And I just looked it up. To, I was going to say, is that the same wow. Beagle? Right. Yeah. So he was there and apparently he knew about the story because he wrote briefly about it in his journal. He, so he, he briefly talked about how they escaped from Tasmania and made it over and he said something like, and apparently they're all married within a week. Cup <laughs> <laughs> that. Wow. And he also went on about how Chile, like they were- too forgiving in Chile and probably because they're Catholic and their whole religion's about forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, interesting writings from the young Darwin. Wow. Yeah, that's not that important, but it's just it's, it's funny when little things intersect. Amazing, yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, so the remaining men were getting nervous about their situation. According to Courtney, a new escape plan was afoot and Barker was again at the centre of it. He was always the brains. He he was able to come up with the plans. The Don. And he was the guy that Porter needed to, you know, he wouldn't have got this far without him, basically. He went to Thompson and pitched the idea, Thompson, the new governor, pitched the idea of constructing a whale boat for the new governor. Thompson eagerly agreed, knowing of the men's shipbuilding abilities. They were students of hoy, goddammit. <laughs> One of the best in the biz. So within three weeks, Barker had overseen the building of a very sturdy and eminently seaworthy whaleboat. Is that how quickly you can build them? Yeah, Amazing. isn't that wild? I thought it would take like a year. I think a whaleboat isn't huge, but it is, it's not a big sailboat, I guess. Yeah, but it's sturdy. So the plan to hoodwink the authorities was simple. Barker told Porter they would take the boat downriver to the harbour and slip away unseen on the following Sunday night. This time, the escape would be for a select few, Barker, Russen, Porter, and Leslie. So, of the seven, only four of them were involved. Oh. Shires, who was now a father to baby Bernardo, was perhaps not invited or may have declined the offer. Maybe he's like, oh, I'm a, I've got a kid. Uh, Cheshire and Lyon, though, were probably not invited as they were both not liked. Cheshire oh. we knew, but Lyon apparently was also a bit of an arsehole. Oh. <laughs> this is their big shot. Porter went to sleep on the Saturday night thinking, this is my last in Chile. But unfortunately, the other three men must have had second thoughts about bringing Porter and they left a day early. <gasps> Isn't Porter like the, the man? Yeah, well, I mean, he's out because he's written about it all. I guess he's our, our voice in there. But um, They left a day early. Yeah. Yeah, but no one knows why. Yeah. So it was the same as the, the last trip out to the trying to get to the the ship called the Ocean. So they took the whale boat quietly down the river. They rowed all night until they reached the bar, and this time they found no raging surf to prevent them from passing into the ocean. Barker, Leslie, and Russen were never seen by the remaining convicts again. Where they ended up is unclear, though some say Barker may have spent time in Jamaica. So wow. They're, they've gone somewhere. They've, got, they've, they're lost to history, yeah. The British never found them, so they, you know, they're free. So hopefully they had a great life, but we don't know. Yeah. Uh, so now only four remain. I hope they had an okay life. Yeah, because they dogged him. They dogged him, and I yeah, I can't. I don't know. Some you know, I think some of these people are probably bad. Yeah, I was gonna say. Let's not forget they were in penal misery. Yeah, penal misery because they stole furs and stuff. Because they'd stolen stuff. 
Yeah, and that's bad, Dave. Yeah, that's right. That's naughty. Mm. You're so, right. So I don't hope they had a great life. I think um, something I uh, read somewhere was that the Macquarie Harbour, like most of them, their very small percentage were violent. They became, people became really violent being there. There were people who were, you know, a lot of people getting killed by axes and stuff for Whoa. no real reason, fights breaking out. There was one one guy killed a guy because he wouldn't let him have a snake that the other guy caught. This guy caught a snake and this other guy's like, give us a snake. He's like, no. So he killed him. Yeah, and and I, these are people who apparently hadn't been violent before then. You quickly explained that it was a snake that they had caught. Like the whole time I was thinking of like a lolly snake. <laughs> And yeah, I was they, like, called a, they called a snakes alive. <laughs> Give it to me. It. Kill a python. Oh, get, kill a python? Yeah. yeah Those things are fucking massive. In the wild. Wow. Yeah, That's where d- they come from. Double blue And when you're rationing your food, mm. you can make a killer python last a while. Yeah. They're like almost like double cooking oil. <laughs> cooking fat. Yeah. So on the scale, 100 lushes. 200. Oh, wow. So now there are only four of the 10 remaining in Chile. Porter, Shires, Lyon, and Cheshire. And- they wore the wrath of Governor Thompson. He's like, I, I've just oh. been hoodwinked. My boat's been stolen. These guys have escaped. Who's gonna? Who am I going to take it out of? Well, they're like, well, they didn't even ask us. Yeah. <laughs> we're as angry as you. Yeah. So the four of them were rounded up and arrested, and a British ship was on its way to pick them up. Um, they were put in chains oh. under lock and key. One thing Porter was glad of is he was locked up with Shires, not Lyon and Cheshire. I think it's Gossie. <laughs> <laughs> Porter had another attempt to es- an escape. Oh. I should say, if people if people want to, hear, this story is way bigger, and I'm going briefly through a bunch of stuff. Got to check out Courtney's book. It's a nine and a half hour audio book if you if you're keen. So the girl who he saved from having from being strung up by her thumbs, supposedly he got her to smuggle in a file and a knife, and he used that to um, to saw off her thumbs. Saw off her so thumbs. So that would never happen you know? again. <laughs> You're welcome. It's the only way. He's like, now you go, i got to get back to this escape. <laughs> yeah. Now every time she tries to hang on by your thumbs and she can't, you'll think of you'll me. You'll think of me. He's also, and you'll never hitch a ride either. Yeah. Because that's, that's dangerous. dangerous. <laughs> you don't know who's out there. So, yeah, he, he used the file to cut through his irons and he escaped jumping over a fence out into the woods. There was a bunch of little things that happened over the next few days. Uh, he had a uh, someone stole his jumper. He got it back. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> wow. There was Tell a few days of that. scrapes. Uh, but then he was found miles out of town, exhausted by the side of the road, suffering from dysentery. No. <laughs> You're Shitting himself. By the Shitting side of the road. himself. Apologies to those eating their dinner. And I know a lot of people listen to us over dinner with the family. <laughs> or on a hot date. Yeah, so you don't have to talk to each other. Put us on. We'll put him in the mood. <laughs> Shitting himself. He'll get you out of penal misery. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Into penal. Conviviality. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens from there has been summarised nicely in an article published by the Peter Underwood Centre, which I think is maybe written for children. But I'll <laughs> but it's, it's The Naughty Man. <laughs> On a big boat. A big, big boat. <laughs> toot, toot. So, uh, it writes, Taken all the way back to England, the four escapees adopted false identities. Porter claimed to be an Irishman now called James O'Reilly. 
As a result, in 1837, they were shipped back to Van Diemen's Land where they could be formally identified. Basically, they went to London. Uh, they went to England and they're like, you're you're the four, you're four of those guys who took the Frederick. And they're like, no, I'm no, not. I'm James, I'm James O'Reilly. O'Reilly. And they're like, oh, we don't know what you look like, but we're pretty sure you're James Porter. No, no, no. So, so, they, send so they had to, to send them all the way back to Tasmania. To be formally identified. But how would that work? By someone who remembered them down Jeez. there. Like Hoy or something. Yeah, yeah. So just being a pain in the neck, like, please just tell us. It's honestly- So we can punish you now. It's a real waste of resources. <laughs> yeah. You want to get back on another ship? Because we'll send you. And it was apparently they were- It wasn't like a, a direct journey. They were just sort of- Any ships that were kind of going the right direction, they'd just oh. be shifting them one to the other. Oh. Basically like they were cargo. Uh, anyway, back to this- uh, Children's article. Go- <laughs> Governor Arthur was pleased. A hasty trial followed, and the four men were sentenced to death. But the convicts made a series of appeals against the judge's decision and managed to delay their hanging for more than two years. So they're ba- they're on death row. But are they on, on Van Diemen's Land? On Van Diemen's Land, yep. Porter used his time in the Hobart Town Jail well. Uh, this is when he wrote his memoir. Wow. Sorry, he used it well. He was he used the Jails well. The jails well. Yeah. So he's down at the bottom writing a the memoir. The jails ink well <laughs> yeah. to dip his pen into and write his memoirs. Right. Okay. 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 And the story of their bold escape attracted quite a bit of attention in Hobart. And some of Porter's writings uh, were published in local newspapers. Wow. So he was getting, he was starting to get public support. He's getting buzzed. He's like, <laughs> they're like, he, geez, they really looked after that cat and stuff like that. Yeah. And geez, they were they were pretty kind to the men, and they weren't Maybe brutal we should and stuff like that. Let these let these guys live. Uh, it goes on to say, while Porter was a little loose with the truth, the people of Hobart Town started to side with the convicts. By then, Sir John Franklin had replaced George Arthur as governor. George Arthur, you know, was very he would have done anything to hang him. I think. Yeah. He was furious um, about it all. But he wasn't there anymore, this Franklin guy was, and it appears the convicts had received some good advice from someone and they eventually won their appeal against the death sentence. They successfully argued their actions could not be piracy because it had not occurred on the high seas. Happened in the bay. (laughs) So it's a sort of a technicality. Also, they could not be mutineers because there was no orders assigning the convicts to be the crew. They're like, you can't mutiny a boat if you're not a sailor on the boat. You know, the, the charge is you taking over your- Yeah, what's the charge? Superior officer, but we, would, we weren't the crew. Yeah. And also, the Frederick had not been registered and therefore there were no papers proving it, its existence. So, technically, it wasn't even a ship at all. <laughs> so, you can't steal a ship. They, what they stole, they argued, was wood and- <laughs> Yeah. They just had a really good lawyer. Ropes and stuff. But apparently, it seems like the way Courtney tells it anyway, but every article talks about it a little bit differently, but it sounds almost like the magistrate or the judge was making these arguments, saying to the jury, the jury who gave uh, found them guilty and sentenced them to death didn't obviously take it into account, but I think the judge kept going with it. He ended up writing findings about it. I think he was the one kind of... uh, to thank for them dodging the hangman's noose in mm. the end. As soon as the decision not to hang them was made, the authorities shipped them off to Norfolk Island in the middle of the night. Porter wrote a second journal while imprisoned there. Porter continued his life of crime. By 1844, he was in Newcastle in New South Wales where he was jailed three more times. Oh, dear. Just could, he just couldn't stop. 
1846, he was convicted for theft and sent to jail once more. But then, in May of 1847, he is believed to have finally made his escape. Boarding a ship bound for Wellington in New Zealand, he was never heard of again. He finally found freedom, and by 1853, he was struck off the convict record. Some believe from there he may have headed back to Valdivia, where he was known as Don Santiago. <laughs> wow. wow. The, other, the other three guys were pardoned, Shires, Chesh- Cheshire and Lyon. Lyon's pardoned, we're not sure why, but came on the condition he leave Australia and never return. <laughs> That's how awful he was. <laughs> Just fuck Look, off. We'll let you go if you promise to not live here. Yeah, please, please. leave us alone. You're so annoying. <laughs> So, according to Courtney, seven escapes and three pardons. This was the final scorecard of the jolly convicts who seized a ship that never was a ship, but a bundle of materials so constructed as to look like one. <laughs> Just a pile of wood. And that's where that's where the book got its name, you know, the ship that never yeah. was. And that's also, the, the book actually got its name from Australia's longest running play, which is called The Ship That Never Was as well, which is uh, performed- at the Richard Davy Amphitheatre in Strahan, Strahan at 5:30 p.m. every day. That's down in down in Tassie near near Macquarie. 5:30 every day. That's great. Rain, but, hail, or shine. Yeah, yeah. That's that says that in the notes on the website. Wow. wow. It's like it's undercover, pretty much, <laughs> but it can get cold. Um, and they perform this story. They perform this story. Yeah. But wow. it's sort of like a, I think it's like a comedy version of it. Wow. I re- I'll read one uh, quick review to finish. This is just from like, a, you know, just a punter review. Leah from Perth wrote, I'm not a fan of pantomimes or audience participation shows, so I didn't really expect to enjoy this. And we nearly didn't book tickets, but I'm so glad we did. This is such an entertaining evening out for everyone. I absolutely loved it and laughed from start to finish. Thank you, Leah. That's nice. That's nice. I'd like to see it. Australia's longest running play. How awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's been running for over 20 years. Wow. Wild. And that's the story of the Frederick Escape. Wow. Oh, that's right, because we never heard the title at the start. Awesome. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a wild journey. It's just it's amazing. they some of them spent two years in Chile. Like the odds of them getting out of this prison. Colony, yeah, yeah, was so slim, and then they just lived it up in Chile. That was, yeah, and then some of them made other multiple long voyages. It's, yeah, incredible. Loved it. Great story. Well, that brings us to everyone's favorite section of the show, uh, where we get to thank our great Patreon supporters. Without these people, this show does not exist. So uh, we love to take about half an hour, up to maybe 40 minutes. That's if we're taking it for a walk. Take it for a little walk and thank a few of these great people at the end of each episode. Firstly, what we like to do, I guess, is tell you how you can get involved. And that is by going to patreon.com slash pod. And then there's a bunch of different levels you, you can subscribe to if you like. Different amounts of money you want to spend and different things you can get. <laughs> Dave, what are some of these things? We are all doing shows at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, including our quiz show. And, for example, people heard about those before 
on the Patreon heard about it before the general public and also to this day have discount codes for all of those shows. So you want to come see our shows for a discount at all future shows. We usually try to have a discount for our Patreon supporters as well as we give out three bonus episodes every single month. If you subscribe, there's 160 in the back catalog that you instantly unlock if you're at the bonus episode level. There's a Facebook group that's such a lovely part of the internet. And um, you also, can I just say, get to support the show. Yeah. That's, that's probably the, that's okay. one of the big ones. What a reward. Yeah. I mean, that one. that one's just for us. That's for us. But we appreciate it. But it's also for you because it's a feeling of uh, you're a patron to three hip young artists. If you want to be a patron of the arts, if you want to feel like a big philanthropist, but you don't have billions of dollars, (laughs) just give us a few dollars per month and you can still have that feeling. If you have billions of dollars, that's also fine. We will take that. Uh, The first thing we like to do is for people on the Sydney Scheinberg level of the Patreon, and uh, these people get to be involved in a thing we call Fact, Quote, or Question section. It has a little jingle go something like this. Fact, Quote, or Question. Ding. Hmm, He always remembers the ding. Hmm. She always remembers the sing. And the way this works is people get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question, or a brag, or a suggestion, or really whatever they like. They also get to give themselves a title. I read them out for the first time as I read them out. We do four each week. Here we go. This one comes from Stephen Edmonds, a.k.a. opponent to the traditional Christmas pudding and cake. Ooh. Interesting. Interesting. And I think you can probably tell that this one was written in December. <laughs> Stephen is offering a suggestion here, writing. And he's done it in the past. He's given us a few different recipes, if you recall. Oh, Yes. Stephen writes, it may not be a steak and apple dumpling magic pudding or a Christmas pud, but there is something special about a self-sourcing chocolate pudding. Yum. Mm, I love the phrase self-sourcing. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm picturing good. it as like, it, you know, it's got arms yeah. and it's just like skipping into a tub. And, yeah. So cool. Uh, I'm not entirely sure of the origins of this recipe, but it is delicious, or you might say succulent. Well, mm. I don't know if I would about a cake. Well, have you tried it? Yeah. You've tried this cake? Yeah. Oh. Huh. Okay. No more questions. <laughs> I read ahead. Here is the recipe. One and a half cups self-raising flour. Three quarter cup sugar. One tablespoon cocoa. Two tablespoons margarine melted. One egg. One cup of milk. Within a greased baking dish, mix wet ingredients, margarine, wet egg, and milk. <laughs> wet egg? Into so the, wetty. Into the dry ingredients, flour, sugar, cocoa. Until combined and smooth. Now, here's the sauce. Two tablespoons of cocoa. One half a cup of sugar. One and a quarter cups boiling water. Mix together cocoa and sugar. Sprinkle over pudding. Do not mix in. Oh. Very important, I suppose. Gently pour boiling water over the pudding using the back of a large spoon. The water will not mix evenly with the sugar and cocoa. This is okay. Stop panicking. Great. I'm glad. Honestly, this is a real handhold recipe and that's the exact type I need. Bake at 160 degrees Celsius for around 30 minutes. Serve with a scoop of ice cream. It may be wise to double the ingredients for the sauce. Oh. Stephen, thank you so much for that. Hey, Stephen, you should post that in the Facebook group. If you want. No, no pressure. Yeah, but if you want. If you wanted. Yeah, I'd love that. Great work there, Stephen. Were you not taking notes that whole time, Dave? Oh, yes, I can can repeat that back to you exactly. (laughs) Okay. From the top of my dome. I mean, I was about to get you to, but people just rewind. Yeah, that's right, rewind. Uh, The next one comes from Angelo Del Guducci, uh, aka the anonymous clan of slack-jawed troglodytes (laughs) has cost me this election. And yet, if I were to have them killed, I would be the one that goes to jail. (laughs) That's democracy for you. (laughs) And uh, Angelo's offering us a suggestion, writing- 
Here is a suggestion for one of the best jokes I've heard in a while. Sorry, there is no joke option to select. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's a new option. Joke. I have joke, for yeah, sure. Yeah, joke, please. I'll add, add that option in. Joke's a great idea. The, question, uh, the joke is, what did the elephant say to the naked man? What? How do you breathe out of that thing? <laughs> <laughs> do you get it, Dave? Yeah. He's looking at his penis. <laughs> That's fun. That's great. That's the kind of thing we like to encourage you. Just a bit of fun. Bit of fun. Bit of fun. And that, that quote, Dave, that was Simpsons, right? Can you pinpoint I think it's Monty Burns. Monty really. Burns. Can't remember the episode, the that context. Troglodytes is definitely a Monty Burns word. Yes, slack-jawed troglodytes. It's very good. There's a song of uh, Viagra Boys album last year that is uh, called Troglodyte. It's a great word. Now, the next one comes from Gaddy J from the UK. Uh, okay, if you leave me now, you'll take away the biggest part of me. <laughs> Ooh. No, baby. Please, Please don't, don't go. go. And uh, Gary J is offering a fact, writing, He he, bloody loved the UK tour, even though it consisted of being in a car accident on the way back from Manchester and standing on a packed train from London for two and a half hours with Nat, my wife, and everyone's friend, Siraj. I know the UK is small, but it nearly killed me. Meeting loads of other patrons, which were all so lovely and kind, they even pander to the whole Gary from the U- <laughs> Gary J from the UK bit and made me feel semi-famous. <laughs> it was great seeing all the shows, but not Glasgow, a little too far on a school night, and how the stand-up evolved over the tour. Thanks for coming over for Blockmas, for a Blockmas miracle. Hope you all liked your prezies. Ta-ta for now. Ta-ta for now. <laughs> Ta-ta and farewell. Ta-ta. Thank you so much for coming to all the shows, Gary J. Thank you for the presence. So great to have you and Nat at so many shows. I did not realise they were in a car accident. They didn't mention that to me. I was, you know I'm that? like, have I forgotten this? Am I such an asshole that no, I don't remember? I'm sure Jess, Jess is, is nodding. nodding. <laughs> um, I'm sure that I would remember that. Maybe Gary just didn't want to worry us. That's fair. She's so Still kind. Still amazing because Manchester man. was in the middle. Still made it to the shows after that. Gary J from the UK. What a guy. Two hours on the train with Siraj. Oh, oh, oh I was going the <laughs> nah, other way just there, I know, living but the dream. And I have friends, so I can raz him like that, you know? Okay. Well, I'm not friends with him, and I would never dare. <laughs> be his friend? <laughs> be his friend. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's not true. I'd be his friend any day of the goddamn week. Now, the final one this week comes from uh, Mr. Justin McCain. It plays a silly game. When all the kids in the street would like, like to, to do, do the, the same. same. Uh, okay, your f- friendly neighbourhood mailman. <laughs> he wrote your neighbourhood friendly mailman, and I don't know why I couldn't say it in that order. Anyway, Justin has offered a brag, writing, shameless brag here, but I'm going to be a dad in July. Yes! yes! Now I can use Mr. Sunday Movie's favourite phrase of, as a father. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> what a great phrase that is. It really adds a little something. Yeah. To any, any opinion you're about to have, I think it adds weight and yeah. heft. Absolutely. As a father. Give it a try, Jess. No. <laughs> Comedian who lived here for a long time, Eve Ellenberg, and she, had a, she liked to say as a woman before everything. That's fine. But then it wouldn't be nothing relevant. <laughs> She'd often go like, as a woman, it's cold in here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very funny. That is true. As a feminist, I agree uh, with Eve's position there on mm. the cold. Mm. Uh, the next thing we like to do is thank a few of our other great Patreon supporters. Uh, Justin, we has a little game here. 
based on the topic at hand? What are you thinking this week? I was thinking we could either name the ship they escaped on mm. or what they went to prison for. Ooh. What do you reckon? Oh, gosh, I like both. Both? But we, yeah. th- we should pick. Much. No, we should pick one. Do you think is the prison thing funny? Yeah. What they're in a prison. If for. we make it funny, yeah. I mean, we could say they murdered their nan or something. That's not that good, is it? Well, okay. First off the rank. Do you want me to kick this off this week? Sure. I really jump in here, so I'm gonna gonna take control. Go for it. I would like to thank our fantastic Patreon supporter from Ascot Vale in Victoria, mm. Mitch. Marshall. Mitch Marshall. Great alliteration. In prison for uh, pitch invasion. Mm. Oh, wow. Nude or clothed? Uh, Too clothed. <laughs> the yeah, the officials security, were like, come on, man. Take some of that off. off. Come on, mate. It's a hot day. It's 40 degrees and you're in a, you're in thermals. You're going to overheat. Yeah, we're worried about your health. This is Let an intervention. Let us get you some chilled water. Mm. you got to cool down, mate. Cool down to the cell in the back of this divvy van, Mitch. Yeah. That's yeah. Right, Mitch. And they they had converted a Mr. Whippy van. <laughs> oh, that's the coolest place to be. Mm. Literally. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, Mitch Marshall. I would like to now thank from Carlisle in Great Britain. It's Kieran McFadzine. Kieran McFadzine. Mm. Kieran McFadgen. That's a, just another guess. Is Carlisle where we went to the castle? I always get confused. Oh. Or is that, is that a different? What ca- no, Sterling. Which castle Sterling did we go to? Sterling sounds more familiar. I think Carlisle has a castle. We did go to Sterling Castle. Castle, or castle? right. I forgot we went to that castle. And then we were very close on the tour we just did, Matt, to Warwick Castle. Oh. On a bus, we went to Warwick. <laughs> we drove through Warwick, yes, to a bus station. And I think we're about two miles from the castle. So Whoa. pretty cool. We were yeah. near a castle. We did go I didn't to even realize. Sterling Castle. That was very, very cool. There you go. But Carlisle's, who we're talking about, Kieran McFadzine or McFadgen, as Matt thinks it might be. And Kieran is in, in uh, jail, been arrested yes. for uh-huh. trying to invent a off-the-market flavour of paddle pop. So he's gone to jail for trying to invent something. Yeah, well, I mean, it went to market. Right. He did invent it, but he didn't get the patent or permission from Paddle Pop, the ice cream maker. And he called it a Paddle Pop. Yeah. That was probably the big mistake. What yeah. flavour was it? It was... Um, you can't remember. It could uh, have been... Cheese and onion. Oh, cheese and onion. Oh, yeah. that sounds no. horrendous. Throw away the key. Would yeah. Been, would have been a big hit over there, though. <laughs> yeah, no, that's death penalty right there. Yeah. Wow. That's disgusting. <laughs> that was Kieran, was it? Very disappointed, Kieran. <laughs> Sorry, Kieran. That's awful stuff from you. Sometimes the judge gets it right. <laughs> And finally, I'd like to thank from Warrigal in Victoria, it's Brendan Taylor. Brendan Taylor. Matt, you were telling us about this one the other day. What did Brendan go to jail for? Yeah, uh, to me it was a misunderstanding, and if I was the judge, I would have let him off. But what Brendan did was he took the wrong pants off a washing line, a communal one. Yeah. Oh, no. And he, yeah, he was wearing a neighbor's pants. Mm. And he's like, I have the same pair. But the neighbor's like, you're a perv. <laughs> What's the charge? Wearing a neighbor's pant? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, yes. A succulent long, pant? How <laughs> long has he gone to prison for? Oh, they, that's a, he's a lifer. Life? Yeah. Wow. Wow, gone so, straight to Macquarie. That's yeah. just a good PSA. Label your pants. Yeah. 
and, and not we're not you know you Brits we're not talking underwear okay no, we're talking trousers yeah. mm. slacks okay? Right, okay we call them pants um, <laughs> so that's a little thing we do over here label okay? your pants and make sure you're always getting the right pants off that clothesline or mm. you're fucked yeah you know yeah. what I mean life can I thank some people as well please do I would love to thank from Boxborough. In Massachusetts. Is that oh, right, fantastic. Emma? Yeah. Uh, I would love to thank Sarah Tardiff. Sarah Tardiff. Great name. Or is it Maryland? No. no it's Massachusetts, it's everyone. It's Massachusetts. We're all good. We got it. We got it. When Dave looked worried, I felt worried. <laughs> yeah. It's because you two are you're connected. Mm. Sarah Tardiff in jail for. Uh, <laughs> she, um, she snipped the. The brake line <gasps> on her enemy's train. automobile train. <laughs> wow, her enemy's train. Very wealthy enemy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It was yeah, like yeah. A, a, a you know wearing a cape and a top hat. Yeah. That put. <laughs> and was were they, was the enemy okay? Well, the enemy had put uh, one of Sarah's friends across the train line and oh, was driving no. their train. Right. So Wait, by so cutting, cutting the, the brakes, brakes is bad. Saved no, but Sarah, <laughs> Sarah had saved their friend. And then um, what the bad guy, enemy, didn't realise is that the train was going to go over a cliff. And that's what happened. Hmm. Wow, that's a terrible design flaw. Yeah, it's a train not, that goes over a cliff. It's not good. Well, normally they were relying on brakes, Dave. <laughs> but they don't have brakes. They don't brakes. have them yeah. now. So it they was They were just going to murder an innocent person. You see what I mean? It's a terrible yeah. design flaw for the brakes to not work. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, I would also love to thank from Philadelphia... Uh, in Pennsylvania, Lindsay Munnelly. Lindsay Munnelly. Munnelly's fun, isn't it? Lindsay Munnelly in jail for shaving a man's beard whilst Whoa. he slept. Yes. Whoa. And Without that, permission. Not any man, um, but one of the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow, yeah. Uh, Some great Kels- Kelsey. The, wor- the week of the Super Bowl, and it's his lucky beard. It's oh, a lucky beard. No. no one knew that, but it was. And that's, that's the reason why they won or lost, oh. depending on what happens. <laughs> that's full on, Lindsay. Yeah. Wow. Jeez, you got away with it if they won and not if they didn't. Well, if they did win, then it was an unlucky beard. Yeah, and that's true. Maybe. Lindsay will be celebrated. Yeah, you should get a ring, Lindsay. Get a ring. Uh, finally, for me, I would love to thank from uh, address unknown, we can only assume, deep within the fortress of the moles. Deep, deep, deep. I would love to thank V. 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 One of my favourite letters. Really? This is a V-E-E kind of situation. Three of my favourite letters. Yeah. Mm, that's two letters. Okay. Um, well, that's what, how much I like What did V go to prison for then, Dave? I uh, went to uh, prison. <laughs> yes. Yes. For? <laughs> for breaking yes. into prison. Oh. And you're just setting up in one of the cells and they're like, this is a crime. You're going to be punished. We're going to put Don't you in. Move. Don't move. You no, know, actually, we're going to have to move you to the cell next door, yeah. which right. was slightly closer to the toilet, flushed all night. Oh, uh, yeah, that horrible, would be really annoying, horrible, actually, yeah. Horrible one. So, V, you kind of got what you wanted, but also you didn't sign up for this. You're picturing a communal toilet in prison, I guess. Yeah, yeah, everyone's got There's one. There's one, one big toilet. There's one big toilet. Huge. Would you prefer to have to, like, ask the guards to let you out and take you to, like, a communal bathroom or- the toilet in the cell. Hmm. I'd say toilet in the cell for me. <laughs> That's my answer. Even, even <laughs> when you're sharing with it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. 
I regret asking. You, do you think you would rather go out to the communal? Look, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not shy, but I'd prefer a bit of peace and quiet. That's me time. But you would be all of a sudden you're relying on the the guards to be to come to yeah. you pretty quickly. Yeah, and I would leave it to the last minute. Ah, come help on! Me! It's happening. <laughs> it is. Ha- it's all right. It's all right. It's over. You missed it. <laughs> You had your shot. I'm going to need a, a, mop, a mop and a bucket. <laughs> you had your shot. Oh, V. Well, good stuff from you, V. Um, Great work, efficient. V. Yeah, exactly. No mucking around. If I could thank a few to finish us up here, yeah. I'd love to thank from Norwich uh-huh. in Great Britain, Zach. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> knowing me, knowing you, aha, uh-huh, Zach. And what's Zach gone to prison for? Uh, Zach. I mean, yeah, no surname. Very clever. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. To punish all Zacks. But uh, if one goes out of line, they all they all go down. Norwich Zach, uh, he he surfed the unsurfable wave. Whoa. <laughs> that's a crime. Yeah, that's a crime. They said I mean, it it's, be- called, it's called unsurfable. <laughs> they said it couldn't be done because it shouldn't be done. Yes. That's right. Uh, but he did it and he looked sick doing it. It was awesome. Um, he's a big star now, but unfortunately, yeah, I'm afraid- you're going to the big house, son. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Get out of the green room. You made uh, the people that- You're lo- into the big house now. Oh. Yep. You made the people that n- labelled the wave look pretty silly. Get out of that barrel and start looking down the barrel of this gun <laughs> oh, as God. you go to prison. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you're, gonna ha- you're hanging 10 now, but soon uh-huh. you're going to be hanging from a noose <laughs> in an old-timey jail. <laughs> oh, this, is, this is getting really full on. <laughs> that was a bit too far, I think. Too far, okay. Well, let's go. Let's bit, take it back a step. That's too much. I'd also love to thank from, oh, address unknown. <gasps> can only assume from deep within the fortress of the moles. It is Jean Silver or Jean, Jean Sil- Silver. <laughs> Long Jean Silver. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, fantastic. Piracy. piracy oh, inc- yeah. Okay, what sort of piracy? Are you DVDs. On? Yeah, <laughs> still to this day. Still. Well, it's, still going. It's a tough market out there. Yeah. <laughs> it is a tough market. <laughs> But somebody's got to do That's it. That's right, John. Someone's got to do Someone's it, Gene. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. I was around at my parents' place last week, and there were a couple of pirated DVDs there. <laughs> really? What kind of what titles? Uh, Shrek Two. <laughs> yeah. Good. The finger on the pulse. And uh, and Caravan of Courage. Oh wow! I th- they must have been from a long. I don't know where they've come from. They don't seem like movies my parents would be interested in. But yeah, for some reason, I reckon I've got Peter Pan. Ooh. Um. I, I mean, I've said too much. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, yeah, good on good on you for admitting crimes. I'll never admit any crimes. Can you also bleep out the names of my mum and dad? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, finally, I'd love to thank from Derby in Great Britain. It's Sophie. Sophie. Sophie has gone to prison for riding a sheep against its will. Uh-huh. Whoa! Bucking Bronco style. Yeah. Set a world record, though. It looked sick. 29 minutes on the back of a sheep. But the sheep has press charges. Yeah, yeah. of course. And so we have to respect that, Sophie. <laughs> Sorry, Sophie. Sorry, Sophie. We can't not respect but that. But you you're in the big book. Oh. And the big house. That's right. Thank like- you so much to you, Sophie, as well as Jean, Zach, V, Lindsay, Sarah, Brendan, Kieran, Mitch. And the last thing we like to do here is welcome a few people in the Triptych Club. These are long-term supporters. They've been... With us for three straight years on the shout-out level or above. There's four inductees this week. I'm standing on the door. Bit of theatre of the mind. Got a clipboard. 
Cut the guest list. We're about to lift the velvet rope and read your name out. Dave's inside. He's the MC. He's going to hype you up. Uh, the crowd of other existing Triptych Club members are in there chanting along. And just behind the bar, normally comes up with a bit of cocktail based on the we topic. We have got cabbage. Cabbage. And salted meat. Wow. And some oranges. And a oh, goat. <laughs> and a goat is there, but we're not eating him. Him? The cat's gone. I tr- I brought it with me. It ran away. And for cocktails, honestly, you need some orange juice. So I'm probably just going to do like champagne sunrises or something. Mm. Beautiful. Just to get some vitamin C in ya. All right. And Dave, you normally book a band for the after party. Am I, I absolutely right? always book the best act I can get my hands on that week. And this week, it is none other than winner of 11th season of American Idol from 2012, Philip Phillips is here. Wow. Philip Philly Phil. Philly Phil. His coronation song, Home, of course, being the best selling song in American Idol history. Really? Welcome, Philly Phillips. Yeah, can only assume he's on the run. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he's Dave, done. are you ready to welcome a few in? Oh, oh, pardon me, please, please. Uh, yes, I absolutely. I'd am. love to thank and welcome in from Burbank in California in the United States at CM Studio City. Oh, straight to the Burbank. Yeah, ching. Cash, cash, cash. <laughs> I'd also love to welcome in from Munster in Deutschland. It's Ikena. Well, this ain't no monster. This is one of my favourites, Ikena. Woo! Are you happy with Ikena there? Yeah. And next up from where is this, Dave? I could look it up, I suppose. Wow. Why am I making you do that? KR. South Korea. South Korea. Whoa. That's cool. And from Suwon Sea. In South Korea, it is Anna Dunn. Uh, I thought this night was Anna Dunn, but it's actually Anna McGinning. <laughs> yeah, stick a fork in me, I'm Anna Dunn. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. And finally, from address unknown, I can only assume also from deep within the fortress of the moles, it's Maritz Ramuta. Ramuta. You know, I felt like this night was on Ramuta, but it's actually on Relauda. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome in. What do you have done with that? Ramuta, I don't barely even know her. <laughs> I was, honestly, that was the first, <laughs> first instinct, and I abandoned that for Ramuta, so <laughs> I'm so sorry. Go with that first instinct. Welcome in, Maritz, Anna, Ikeana, and Sam, Studio City. Beautiful name for a boy or girl. <laughs> That brings us to the end of the episode. Anything we need to do before we boot this baby home? Just tell them that we love them, that if you uh, want to suggest a topic, you absolutely can at dogoonpod.com. There's links to do it there. There's links in the show notes. Um, you can find us at dogoonpod across all social media. And, Dave, boot this baby home. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Come see us live. We're doing live shows. We'd love to see you there. Look us up. The Melbourne Comedy Festival and Matt and I are also at the Adelaide Fringe Festival. But until then, even if you're not near those places, we'll be back next week with another fantastic episode. But until then, also thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.